This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 94, for Thursday, June 2nd, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II's Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. All right. Tonight, I'm going to be joined by uh, stand-up comedian, MMA fan, and actor Robert Kelly. For those of you here in New York, you may be familiar with Robert's work on the Opie and Anthony show. He's also been on on Louie with Louis C.K., He's also had a role in uh, Ghost Town. And in addition to that, Robert Kelly also toured with Dane Cook. You may have seen some of his stand-up on Dane Cook's Tourgasm series. And, of course, if you're a Boston native, you will be familiar with Bobby's comedy because Bobby is from Boston. So he'll be joining us at 1130. We're going to be discussing some MMA uh, comedy, of course. We're going to talk some movies. We're going to talk some video games because I know Bobby's a gamer. He's also a techie, so we'll talk about some of that stuff as well. He'll be calling in, like I said, around 1130. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm a huge fan of Rob's work. been following him on Opie and Anthony. Saw some of his work on Dane Cook stand-up. Uh, his work on ONA is what made me a fan just because a lot of really awesome self-deprecating humor. The guy's just a really mellow dude. He knows how to have a blast. And the guys always seem to find terrible ways to get a gag reflex out of Bobby. Uh, one of the best was when they showed him the two girls, one cup video. And there's been a couple of other instances where they've used, you know, terrible odors and various things just to trigger Bob's nauseousness, which I find humorous. And I'm, I'm sure it has its pros and cons. And I want to ask him about that as well. Um, but again, I'm really excited to talk to him, not just, for the show, but as a fan of his work, so he'll be joining us at 11.30. All right, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. The forums have been more active. There have been a lot of new newbies signing up. Uh, we are now in June, and like I said a couple of weeks back, uh, every 90 days I will be doing a forum purge. The rules apply when, you know, I did a purge in March. Three months later, of course, we are now in June. At the end of June, I will do a forum purge. If your account has not been active in 90 days, I will delete you. So please be advised that your shit is going to get deleted, period. Uh, if you, for whatever reason, want to maintain your account and keep it active, send me a PM or a DM on Twitter, or hit me up on the fan page and tell me, Rich, you know, keep my shit active, either because, you know, my leg fell off or I've been busy, but just let me know so I can keep it active because I really don't want to hear 
the people whining and complaining that their accounts got deleted. So please note that at the end of June, and I will make sure to note it in the fan page, that I will be purging accounts that have been inactive for 90 days. I also want to take a moment and announce that My Take Radio has crossed over 1,000 fans on Facebook. We are well on our way now to 1,020 fans. I believe we are at 1,011. First off, I'm very humbled and honored that 1,000 people give a damn about all the work we do on a weekly basis. Super excited for that. Uh, you know, welcome to all the new fans that are listening. I've been seeing listeners and looking at some of the numbers, listeners from Egypt, from Japan, from Greece. So we're all over the place and just, you know, a, a big heartfelt thanks to everybody that has become a fan and visits the site and listens to the show, whether archived or live, you know, we appreciate it. So just wanted to say that breaking over a thousand power level is, is serious right now. Power level is over a thousand. Uh, the army of rage is growing. And also with that, I wanted to parlay that into what we're doing with get glue. There will be my take radio check-in stickers. Uh, let's just say that's something that you'll be hearing about a lot sooner than you think. So be on the lookout for that. If you are a get glue user and hopefully we'll probably try and have something done by our 100th episode. Very excited for that. Um, so by our 100th episode, we got a lot of great things planned. So just every uh, the weeks leading up to it, we'll make some announcements. We'll do some stuff. We got some real exciting partnerships in the works. I'm not going to go into any details right now only because we're trying to iron out some stuff. But you're going to see a lot of cool shit. I'm very happy, very excited for the future of MTR. And... All, all of the stuff that goes into it, you know, our content partners this week in wrestling and, of course, MMA Valor always supporting the show. As a matter of fact, Josh from MMA Valor launched his own show. Uh, the, I believe it's the MMA Heartbeat. So we may be stopping in there next week and doing a show with, with him as well. And you can definitely get more information just by hitting those guys up on Twitter. Hit up Josh at MMA Valor for more details regarding that. Uh, our apps on iTunes and for Android are are moving very strong. We actually added some more exclusive content. There's a couple of minority film reports from Slick that are going up. Our recent interview with Michael Manna, a.k.a. Stevie Richards, has been getting phenomenal praise and great numbers. Michael Manna was a fantastic guest. If you're just a fan of technology and, and you know, just want to get a, a different opinion about it, I recommend you guys check it out just because Michael Manna's uh, a huge techie. He does the T4 show every Wednesday. And, yeah, we did touch on wrestling and his wrestling career, but the the fact is that there's there's so much more to him just as an individual than just his wrestling career that I, I, I really had a blast talking to him. It was very insightful, and I enjoyed it. So definitely, if you have the app, check that out. Uh, Jeff Katz, also very happy with his interview on MTR. Make sure to check out his Kickstarter project. You can get details from the MTR Rewind I posted um, earlier this week. And, you know, just, just lend your support as little as a dollar. If, if you're really unsatisfied with the current wrestling product, all it takes is a buck to make a difference. Just drop a dollar. And if this takes off, you can say that you were part of something great. So make sure to check out the MTR Rewind on MyTakeRadio.com, and you can get some further information regarding that. Our merchandise been a little stalled just because I've been dealing with some other stuff, but we haven't forgotten it, and it's coming, so be on the lookout for that. 
Next week, um, I teased uh, a couple, I'd say a week or two back, about my take radio's involvement with Voltron. And, of course, you know, little teasers here and there, little subtle things here and there. Next week, um, I will actually be joined by the producer of the new Voltron animated series, debuting on Nicktoons on June 16th. Very excited for that for a couple of reasons. Number one, their willingness to want to come on the show. Uh, Huge Voltron fan, have followed it since I was a baby. Even the car Voltron. I also watched the really terrible CGI Voltron. I've I've had the toys. Anything that can involve just being a fanboy, I was with regards to Voltron. So we'll be talking about the show next week in detail, getting some insight into the animation, the way the characters are, um, how this tied into the original project, which was going to be a live-action Voltron movie. So very excited for that next week, and and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. it. Originally, we were supposed to do it the 16th because the the series was debuting on the 16th, but we ended up switching it around, so we're doing it the 9th, and the show debuts the 16th. It's going to be, I believe, a three-part movie on Nicktoons, so you can definitely check that out on the 16th. Share your thoughts, because I definitely am going to check it out and share mine, but just just the fact that we're being able to get this access to it so early makes me super excited. In some other news, we're going to be testing out some some hardware soon. I can't get into too many specifics, but know that we're going to start adding some content to the My Take Radio TV channel on YouTube. Slick will be inaugurating that with his unboxing vid of the Infamous 2 Hero Edition, so be on the lookout for that and his impressions on the overall box set. Looking forward to that just because it's going to be something fresh, something new for My Take Radio TV, and you'll be able to keep an eye out for that real soon on YouTube. In addition, I am going to pull the trigger and I'm announcing it now. I'm going to start doing, like, video blogs and unboxings and and just little things like that for the channel. I'm letting you guys know now, a little apprehensive in front of the camera. That's me. I don't mind taking pictures. I don't mind taking videos. I don't like being in front of them. But, obviously, that's going to be something that's going to have to change. So we are going to start doing more video content on the My Take Radio TV channel, and we may even do the uh, video broadcast of the show. So while the show is live, it may also simulcast in video. We'll see how that goes. I'm still weighing that out, especially because of the great success that Michael Manna has with the T4 show. He's actually inspired me to do it. So be on the lookout for that as well. We got a ton of content going on mytakeradio.com this week. We have uh, Slick's impressions on the Infamous 2 demo we got video of Catwoman in Batman Arkham City, uh, Slick's review of The Hangover, which was perfect and to the point and really kept it as honest and real as you could. So definitely do yourselves a favor and read that. I also gave my impressions on the Asus Pad phone. It's an Android phone that you can actually insert into a tablet. So you can actually have a complete convergence device without really requiring two separate pieces of hardware. Very interesting, very innovative design. I am interested to see how the design looks in person because video and and pictures, you you can always doctor that up, but I'd like to see that face-to-face, so we posted that on there. My review on Stakeland, which I was very angry at myself for slacking on, is up finally. And also Slick's review of Pirates of the Caribbean is up, 
and Miss Soapbox regarding wrestlers and Twitter. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. If if you feel that sometimes there's too much social media out there and too many people use it way too much, especially wrestlers, you guys need to check out Miss Soapbox. It's hilarious. It's well, it's well written. And as always, it's a, it's a solid piece of content from Miss. So do yourselves a favor, stop in, comment, uh, retweet, do what you got to do just to get people to check the stuff out. Um, we are getting the articles in other places. I even want to take a moment and congratulate my fiance Andrea. Her article regarding the Big Apple Comic Con is actually on the front press page of Wizard World. I actually saw the link coming into the site today, and when I clicked it, I saw that her article actually was one of the articles picked for the main page of Wizard World. So got to con- congratulate my lady for that. A uh, very good article from her and just uh, an, an outsider's take on Comic-Con, which was, as always, refreshing and just a different spin on things. So I got to toss some congratulations to her. And um, that's pretty much it with regards to housekeeping. Now, my my monologue this week, um, I'm going to just issue a disclaimer with regards to it only because I don't want anybody getting their feathers ruffled because I'm going to split this monologue into two separate topics. Number one, I want to talk about uh, podcasters and radio hosts that either I've spoken to or are I consider colleagues or friends of the show, and also any any podcasters or radio hosts that I'm going to have on in the future. I just want to put this out there for you guys, and it's it's not a negative, but it's just something i got to tell you guys. Anybody who I've had on the show that does podcasts and radio that ask me if I listen to their show, I do listen to your shows. Please note, I listen to them. I do not listen to them frequently. And I, I think that people just haven't really heard me express this on air, but I've, I've done it at least once or twice that I can remember. When, we, when I listen to people's shows, I try to listen to them and just enjoy them. But given that I do my own show, I hate listening to them and being critical of their product. That's number one. So I try not to do that. I try to just enjoy them. But sometimes if, if people have some real bullshit going on, it, it, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth and I have to stop listening. And I do it because I don't want to end up calling those people out on air about it and that's just something out of personal preference. Number two, the the accidental um, absorption of ideas. Everybody does it. I'm guilty of it. We all are. Whether it's hanging out with a buddy of yours for too long and picking up some of their style or, or some of their mannerisms to, you know, picking up jokes from a TV show or from radio or from your favorite stand-up. This happens just because you inadvertently absorb this stuff. I don't want to do that with some of my fellow broadcast colleagues. I don't want to sit here and hear and hear a bit or something you guys do on air and end up doing it myself and then having these guys be like, man, you know, what the fuck? Fucking My Take Radio, they stole our idea about this, this, and this, or My Take Radio copied us on this. I don't, I don't want to be that, and I don't want to do it by accident because it would be by accident. I don't go out of my way to borrow anybody's shit. I try to be as original and innovative as I can be. You guys can see that just because 
We, we, we run the gamut of crazy shit to talk about. So, again, fellow colleagues, fellow broadcasters, I listen to your shows. Know this. I do. Do I listen to them every week? No. That's it. So, please, if, if you ask and, and, and I tell you no, I haven't, or it's not because I don't want to listen to your shows because I have listened to them, but it's not something I can do consistently. That's it. Now, it, it's fitting that, that I got Bobby on today from Opie and Anthony because I want to talk about it. Uh, something that happened with them today, which which brings me to just what we do here on air. And it's about guests and interviews and just trying to be professional and not trying to call people out on their bullshit. Opie, Anthony, Jim Norton, I'm huge fans of their work. They They inspired me to do what I do. You know, much like, much like the guys at VGN, they're all inspirations in their own unique ways into what I give you guys every week. But they they interviewed Paris Hilton today for her reality show that she's doing, which is a, a complete bag of dicks because I saw it. It sucks. And she was totally awful on the radio. She almost had that vibe like she was too good to be there. And it it was very disheartening only because – Opie, Anthony, and Jimmy, when, when those guys dial it in and do a badass interview, they do a badass interview. Same thing like the guys from Ron and Fez, Ron Bennington, the, the guy's a master. And this chick is just sitting there like, hey, what do you think of this? And it's just like one-word answers and, and, you know, just not being into the interview. And it got me thinking about something which I'm going to say on air, and I'm letting you guys know that I'm sticking to it. If you come on the show and you are a one-word delivery bitch, I am giving you the fucking can. I don't give a fuck if I've known you five years or five minutes. If you come on here to share a little bit about yourself, and the most you do is share one-word fucking answers, I don't need to waste my time. Period. That's all I got to say. It's unfair to the listeners. It's unfair to the hosts. Don't do it. If if you can't come on to promote your shit and have a, and have a blast and, and just be personable and approachable, then let's not waste each other's time. That's it. I I really just felt that way, and and I really felt bad for the guys. One because they couldn't cut loose and destroy her because they wanted to be professionals. Jimmy in particular, um, Opie also. A- Anthony snuck a couple of in uh, a couple of them in there you know, a couple of zingers, but, you know, sometimes you want to dial it down and, and be a professional and do your job, but sometimes you just got to go at somebody with a chainsaw. And please note, that will be the case here. I don't answer to, to the FCC, and it's it's that simple. If you come on here and you're a motherfucker, I am going to call you out. And if I don't, it's because... You're part of a bigger picture, and, I'm, and I let you live. It's almost like Schwarzenegger letting the guy live in commando and killing him last. That's going to be me. I'm going to let you live for now. But I'll come for you later. That's all I'm saying. So just wanted to put that out there and, and express just little things that, you know, that's why it's the opening monologue. Totally random, totally regular, and that's it. All right. Tonight's topics, we're going to talk about UFC 130. We are going to talk about the super fight with George Rush St. Pierre and Nick Diaz. Yes, it's happening, folks. 
UFC 137. Definitely want to talk to Bobby about that. We're going to talk about UFC 130. We got some early E3 news that are coming out, which are, you know, some are uneventful, some are run-of-the-mill, but they need to be discussed. In addition to that, we got to talk about what happened on Raw this week with Karma, a.k.a. Awesome Kong. Got to talk a little bit about The Ultimate Fighter. And also your gaming and movie news, which for for some reason the holiday break kind of kept certain aspects of it quiet. But there are a couple of gems in there, and we even have, which I know some of you love, a couple of bits of what-the-fuck movie news. So let's just get right into it until Bobby calls in. But um, let's start with some MMA first, shall we? All right, let's open things up with the last episode of The Ultimate Fighter 13 with uh, the two fights before the finals, Chris Cope and Ramsey, Ramsey Najem and Tony Ferguson and Chuck O'Neill. I'll tell you, the first fight with Cope and Najem was, was really good. I, I really feel that Cope definitely has a future, has a future in the UFC. He's a tough guy, but Najem really knew how to, how to work the, the stand-up really well. One thing that was crazy was that he used a lot of the, the stand-up to set up some takedowns, and when he finally did get in there, it was, it was when he got in close, it, it was ridiculous because Najem kept the pressure, especially in the second round. He, he caught a really, he caught Cope with a really solid overhand right. Um, he, presses, he pressed him against the fence. He was aggressive, and um, the ref had to get in and stop the fight. Najem takes the the fight and he heads into the finals. I was I was actually surprised. I really was picking Cope for this fight. And, and I'll tell you, I've been watching the this season of the Ultimate Fighter on and off, not live, sometimes on DVR, only because what ends up happening is, like I said, it, I just feel that something is missing from this season, and it's happened in previous seasons, and I've touched on it before about just the dynamic that's missing there, um, which it, it just doesn't it just doesn't work the way it should. And I don't know, maybe they need to just go back to the drawing board, try a new approach, uh, maybe with the new coaches, which I'm going to reveal later on in the segment. But it, I don't know, man. The spark just isn't there for the Ultimate Fighter. But moving on, the other fight, Tony Ferguson and Chuck O'Neill went to the full three rounds. Tony Ferguson took it by decision. And um, it's going to be Tony and Ramsey Najem in the finals, which is going to be this Saturday. And I wanted to take a moment and go through that card. So, like I said, the finals, Ramsey Najem and Tony Ferguson is your main event. Your co-main event, Clay Guida and Anthony Showtime Pettis. Let me tell you guys right now, this, this is all going down Saturday, June 4th on Spike TV MMA for free. That's number one. Number two, Clay Guida, Showtime Pettit is ridiculous. Pay-per-view caliber fight, free TV. Anthony Pettis was supposed to be challenging the winner of Gray Maynard 
and Frankie Edgar. Of course, both of those guys got injured. Anthony Pettis didn't want to sit around, so he took a fight with Clay Guida. A lot of people are like, hey, man, that's crazy. He's taking Clay Guida as a tune-up fight, which is what you would call it just because it's a fight you take before your title before your title shot. But this is not a tune-up fight. Anthony, Anthony Pettis can get his ass whooped, which is crazy to say because I like Showtime. Showtime is, is no joke. But Clay Guida is a, is a whole other animal. That's all I got to say. He is unstoppable. He just runs consistently on 100%. He's always bouncing around. He's always moving. I know he's going to come in there and be aggressive. Who knows what Showtime is going to break out. He, he may be working on his Hadouken skills, or he might be coming out with, with, with a fucking hurricane kick. Who knows at this point with what Duke Rufus is teaching these guys, but I'm, I'm telling you, as, a, as an MMA fan and just a, a fan of the sport, do yourselves a favor if you've got Spike TV. Check this card out. Also on the card, you've got Ed Herman, Tim Crudeur, which is fantastic, uh, Kyle Kingsbury and Fabio Maldonado, Chuck O'Neill and Chris Cope are on the non-televised portion, Jeremy Little Heathen Stevens and uh, Dan Downs, who was actually on MMA Gospel earlier this evening. Uh, you can check that out at blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Gospel. Jeremy Little Heathen Stevens is, is awesome. I like watching his fights. They're always exciting. Danny Downs, though, can't take that, this kid lightly. The, the, the kid is no joke. So this has the potential to be another fight of the night for sure. Josh Grisby and George Roop also on that card. Um, Shamar Bailey and uh, Ryan McGee, which I always mess up his name. Uh, you know, the participants from The Ultimate Fighter, of course, they fight in the non-televised portions. Clay Harvison and Justin Edwards. Uh, Scott Jorgensen and Ken Stone. I'm surprised that Scott Jorgensen wasn't on the televised portion of the card. Huge Scott Jorgensen fan. The guy is a, is a, is a machine in the 135-pound division. And Ruben Duran and Francisco Rivera round out the card. Again, do yourselves a favor. Spike TV. Ultimate Fighter 13 finale this Saturday on Spike. Do yourselves a favor and check it out. Before I get into some MMA news, I just wanted to take a moment and acknowledge something that DeSilva is working on. It's actually an autographed poster signed by various fighters from UFC 129 plus the tap-out crew that he has going on on eBay. It's for, it's for a good cause. All the money from the auction will be going to Japan and Joplin Relief. So do yourselves a favor if you're an MMA fan, you want to have a cool poster autograph by some of the best fighters from UFC 129 plus the Tap Out crew, stop over to the MyTakeRadio.com forums or even look on our fan page because the link is there and donate. Like I said, it's for a good cause, and you'll be able to get a kick-ass poster to boot. So props to the silver for doing something charitable. And, if again, I'm endorsing it 100% legit. The silver's a good guy. He wouldn't con you out of your money. And if he did, I really would go to Canada and wear his skin as a fucking trench coat. So do yourselves a favor. If you're an MMA fan and you want to do something for a good cause, check it out. Um, like I said, the link is probably in the chat. It's also on the MyTakeRadio.com forums. Just uh, go to the MMA section and click on the UFC forum, and it should be in there as well. In some other MMA news, got to talk a little bit about some Japanese MMA. Dream 17 will finally be airing on HDNet. It's going to be June 3rd at 10 o'clock. Recommend you guys check it out. Some great fights on there. Shinya Aoki and Rich Clemente. Um, you also got um, Akio Nishiura and Kao Luna on that card, and Mitsuhiro Ishida and Joaquin Hansen. Need to see that because that, that's, a, that's a crazy fight. 
just just that Hanson and Ishida fight alone is reason to check it out. If you got HDNet, June 3rd is the date at 10 o'clock. In some Ultimate Fighter news, already we're wrapping up this season. We're going into the next one. We got our coaches announced. Originally, the coaches were going to be Michael Bisping and Chael Sonnen. As you know, Chael Sonnen unfortunately had to be pulled from the Ultimate Fighter because of his excuse me, continuing issues with uh, the California State Athletic Commission and all his shit and his, the suspension of his license. So you pull out Chael Sonnen and you put another psychopath in there to take his place, and it's none other than Jason Mayhem Miller. So your coaches for the 14th season of The Ultimate Fighter is going to be Michael Bisping and Mayhem Miller. Madness, I tell you. Only because Mayhem is a lunatic, talks a lot of shit, knows how to make things fun and exciting, and Bisping is, is a guy that he's almost like that person that you, you poke him enough times and they just go completely ape shit and break some windows and, and tear apart an apartment. He's that kind of a guy. It's really going to be almost like an odd couple um, type of a deal with these guys, just mayhem striving to get under his skin, Bisping trying to be the bigger guy, but also, you know, doing his fair share of shit talking. Really excited. Hopefully these two can inject a little bit of life into this season. Not to say that, like I said, that season 13 was lifeless, but I just didn't feel there wasn't enough, and it's shitty to say, it wasn't enough conflict. I think that when the coaches have a little bit of conflict, I don't, I don't mean huge amounts, but just enough to, to, really, to really get some interest in there, it adds an extra dynamic to the show. All the most successful seasons have involved guys that have real beef. You know, Forrest Griffin and Rampage to an extent, uh, Rashad and Rampage, Tito and Shamrock, uh, Hughes and Sarah, all, all great seasons just because there was that 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 level of, of beef between these two guys that that was just great. And it added that, that extra dynamic. Again, you want a little bit of conflict, but not enough to detract from from a season. So very excited to see Bisping and Mayhem coaching. Again, like I said, lots of pranks, lots of shit talking. Super excited. Tito and Liddell, I forgot. Uh, thanks to DeSilva for that. Tito and Liddell was another great season just because you had that conflict there. But, uh, but the, the problem with Tito and Liddell, the same thing that's the problem with this season is that once one of these guys goes down and is withdrawn from the competition, you lose that, you lose that dynamic. But um, that's an issue that concerns me with, you know, with this season. This season has just the right amount of chemistry and just the right amount of, of firepower to really inject some life into, into the 14th season. I really hope that um, they decide to allow these guys to fight their way into the house. I think that's a, that's a really great incentive. I think that one of the things that a lot of people were soured on was the fact that these guys just the season started, boom, they're in the house, and there wasn't some of those really great fights that allowed these guys to earn their way in. I think that's a that's a great concept that should be used more often. And like like I said, you you got to do just little tweaks like that to keep the show fresh. Personally, fighting their way into the house was exciting only because you see so many great talents showcased early on that you actually get excited to see these guys fight when they get into the house, either because they have outstanding performances 
uh, with, with memorable knockouts or memorable submissions or, or just because they're exciting. It's, it's something that really has me looking forward to this season with, with these two coaches. In some strike force news, Dan Henderson and Fedor is official. They will be fighting July 30th, and they've agreed to fight at a catch weight of 220 pounds. You know, that's that. They did that just because Fedor fights at heavyweight, and, you know, it's competitive enough to where these guys can kind of meet in the middle. Hendo's been fighting at 205, 185. He's been all over the place. So 220. Nice middle of the road, super stoked for that. That's going to be an exciting card. Um, also, allegedly planned for that card is going to be uh, Cyborg Santos and Tarek Safadine. So, looking forward to that. I think that Strike Force is they're in a really weird place because there's really exciting fights coming up, but that Nick Diaz GSP situation, which, like I said, I want to discuss with Bobby b- before going into it deeper. It kind of definitely shits on the whole business-as-usual concept. I think that that's something that you really um, you really knew it wasn't going to happen, business-as-usual. It was more so along the lines of we have all this talent and some of these guys really want to fight. And Nick Diaz, man, he's, he really doesn't have nobody else to fight. Whether it's going to be for GSP's belt, that's a whole other story. I've heard it's just going to be a super fight. I've heard that um, GSP's belt is on the line and Nick Diaz's contract allows him to compete in both organizations. Can let, Let's say it's for the title. Can Nick Diaz hold both belts and defend them in Strikeforce and the UFC? Just just real crazy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my take radio is having technical difficulties. Rich will be right back. The following advertisement it's for BornStubbornRadio.com. BornStubborn Radio. We like news, we like current events, but we like the fucked up news and the fucked up current events. At Born Stubborn Radio, we talk about everything in entertainment. We talk about movies. We talk about music. Mostly heavy stuff. Have good mosh pitting! And because we're big fucking nerds, we talk about video games. <laughs> we're big fucking nerds. We love video games. Rich loves the show. Yeah. Hey, Rich, you like the show, don't you? Yeah, man. Are you sure you like the show? (laughs) Yeah, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop the music. Isn't Born Stubborn Radio one of your favorite podcasts? Yeah, man. Awesome. Okay, hold on a second. But I was just curious. I'm thinking about coming to New York. Awesome. You live in New York, right? Yeah. You think maybe I could uh, crash on your couch? Uh, In the predominantly Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking... One of them shits. Um, Rich, I love you, but I don't know what the fuck you just said. In the Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shits. Exactly. Okay, I, I don't know what Rich is thinking, but BornStepInRadio.com is where you should be going right now. Here you go, get it! Have good Alright, let's try this shit again. Fucking Blog Talk Radio, motherfuckers. Bob Kelly. What's happening? What's going on, dude? I apologize for the uh, slight technical difficulties we had. <laughs> are, are we on the air right now? Yes, sir. We are on the air. Okay, man. All right, good. Yeah, it was a little weird. I thought you, got, I thought you hung up on me. I was kind of laughing. No, man, I I apologize for that. Once in a, once in a while, 
the uh, the company that puts the bill for this service decides to really stick it to me. So I, I apologize for that. <laughs> really? What did they do? Just shut you off? No. What happens is that when you sign up for this service, and I know you know you do you do your podcast. This particular service, I actually can do it live and broadcast live, but I'm at the mercy of this company, you know, so they give you a, your switchboard, they give you all the, the tools to run your show, and, you know, we, you know I got my, my, my buddy Slick who writes for the site, he does the call screening, and once in a while they decide to shit the bed, which sucks because, you know, you're, pay, you're paying for the service, but, you know, it comes all with right. the territory. Hey, man, you're, where are you doing this from? Um, I'm, I'm here in New York, actually. Yeah, but we at your house, you at a studio. No, I, I'm actually home. I do it. I do it from home in a setup I have built. Dude, crazy! You're doing a radio show from your house. Yeah, I'm man. in Miami. That's crazy. So. Yeah, I know. I know you're in Miami. You got a you got a full tour going on down there. I know you're down there. I think till. Till the till the fifth, right? You're doing it at the Miami Improv because I had it written down. Yeah, I'm over at the Miami Improv. There was like 14 people at the show tonight because the Heat are in the finals. Oh man, they they really fucked you over. It, what what is it with you? Whenever you do gigs, I know that happened. I think when you did a Boston gig too, where I think the Celtics were in the playoffs. No, no, no. It was Conan O'Brien was next door at the Wang. Ah, and right, I was. Right. Yeah, and then I uh, I literally stood up in front of the gig, and people were walking by going, Hey, Bobby! I'm like, where are you going? To see Conan? <laughs> yeah, I know I know that has to suck, but I, but you've done a lot of touring. I've, I, you know, I've, I've seen you with Dane on Tourgasm. I, I, I've seen you all over the place. So it, it's, it's really crazy how you're always on the road, but yet somehow I always end up finding you on television. <laughs> what, on, on Law & Order? Yeah, between Law and Order, Comedy Central, you end up, you know, you popped up on Louis C.K. stuff. I'm like, what the hell, man? And of course, you know, whenever you're on, you're on ONA and you're here in in, in New York. Yeah, I got a little little bit parts here and there, which is pretty good. So, but hopefully it changes so I can make a TV show this year of my own and stay off the road for a little bit. Well, you were, you know, the the work you did with Louis, and you know, I remember when you were on ONA talking about your work with Ghost Town, you know, I, it's, it's funny because you, you've been doing a lot of stuff. I don't understand how you've had so, you know, you've had issues getting your own gigs, man, because you're a funny motherfucker. And I'm not even saying it because you're on the air with me. You are. Yeah, man, you know, shit happens. I'm happy, dude. I'm making fucking good money telling dick jokes. Like, you know, I can't complain. You know, I'm in fucking Miami doing shows, bunch of hot bitches around. Everything's fucking good, except my wife is coming up tomorrow. It's going to fucking ruin everything, but that's cool. And it comes with the territory. I, want, I wanted to ask, and, and, you know, of course, i got to ask some of these questions, but what, what, yeah. what, what motivated you to get into stand-up? I don't know, man. I just did it. I did some talent show in college, and I was just like the instant gratification of laughter just fucking was like a drug. I don't know. As soon as I did that show, I was like, I'm done. This is what I'm doing. I quit school and just started doing comedy in Beantown, in Boston. And, you know, just busting my ass ever since, you know? 
Oh yeah, I mean that's that's one thing I can never I can never knock you for, man. You're you're always on the hustle, you're always on the grind. You know, whenever you come on on O and A, you promote a a ton of gigs. You you don't rest, man. So you know, I gotta applaud you for that. But I had to ask you that, and I know it's probably cliched, but I wanted to know what motivated you to do it because it, you know some some guys have a really crazy backstory, and some guys just real easy. They're like, look, I'm funny, and I decided to get paid for it. Yeah, I could just tell a good fucking pussy story back then. You know, I could just, I could literally, when I told stories of my tragic fucking tales with chicks to my friend, you know, like, I, you know, banging a chick and this fucking, her pussy started bleeding and, you know, or I farted or, you know, I don't know. I could just tell a good pussy story and, you know, not that that's what I did when I first went up. I tried to write jokes that were the worst jokes ever, worst jokes ever. My, I tried to write jokes. I had one, uh, my grandmother had two thumbs on one hand. She made a great <laughs> pie crust. Jesus Christ. And, but, but how do you do it now? How does, you, you know, and, and, and again, probably a lot of safe shit I got to ask you, but I'm just curious when it comes to you prepping for standup, how do you, how do you start building that material? Is it more just taking your experiences and you're just free flow with it? Or do you write some stuff down? Like what's part of that? How does that process work? It's, it's, I mean, you know, sometimes you just have something happen in your life and you just go on stage and it comes out and it's like already written. You know, like I have a joke about my wife waxing my ass, my asshole. Jesus. And I just went on stage and told it, you know, kind of exactly what happened, every stage of it, and just added some detail and exaggerated a little bit here and there on some fucking, and it just wrote itself. But then you, you know, I have a joke about my, you know, want my wife dead, and you know, it's it's a little it's a little harder that you can't. You know, as soon as you say that, people get all fucking uptight. So you gotta, you know, that's I've been working on that for like two months trying to make it funny, and I was trying to make blowing a blowing a baby funny. That's not working either. <laughs> you know, in regard in regards to one of your your, your the jokes you did about your wife i i one one that i i heard that was really good that you did was where you were talking describing having sex with her and it was like you got off a dirty bike like she got off a dirty bicycle oh yeah yeah i remember that yeah and you were doing that aneurysm uh, you were doing the mannerisms of her cleaning herself up and you know you're like i'm laying there panting with flop sweat and i i was dying just because it, it's it was it, your description was so you so visual that you when you when you heard the delivery you're like damn that's really fucked up I I I got a, a good laugh about that so it's funny that you know you you're doing these jokes and talking about your wife being dead and it being part of the process and trying to make some of that shit funny I know it has to be difficult but I'm sure that depending on what what venue you're at you, you gotta kind of alter your jokes a bit no never alter your jokes. Really? Never don't? Nah, fuck that. I used to do that, you know, back in the day when I did colleges and you do certain rooms. You know, it's, I, you know, you, once you give yourself a, a plan B, then you'll never, ever find your voice. You know, once you start giving yourself a plan B and C where, oh, I'll do this tonight and I'll do that, you kind of cop out of doing what you want to do. You know, uh, You know, talking about, you know, when you're doing a, sh- a show and you're killing and everybody's on your side and then bringing up a topic about, you know, fantasizing about my wife being killed, 
you 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 know you gotta I gotta make that funny, you know I gotta oh, somehow make that funny, and I'll make it funny. It might not happen right away like some other jokes, but you know that's the one we gotta listen to it, record it, write some stuff, take some stuff out, and just keep doing it to get your point across. But you can't you can't not do it in front of a crowd because then I'm I'm trying to make those people laugh instead of just doing what I do. Fuck them. You know, if you, I hope people are offended. I hope, the people that laugh, those are my fans. The people that are like, fuck him, that's offensive, fuck you, I don't want you on my show. That's the best way to do it. I mean, you know, I do, whenever I do this, I, you know, sometimes I say some stuff, and, you know, the, the beauty of doing radio like this is you don't, I don't answer to anybody. So sometimes I'll, I'll get the occasional email like, hey, you know, you shouldn't have said this, or you shouldn't, and it's just like, look, it, it's, it's not something where, you don't have the option to shut the shit off. So, you know, I got to applaud you for that. And, and not changing it, that's that's huge, man. So props for that. Yeah, it's like, you know, you listen to Jim Norton. You know, Jim says the most atrocious shit, and he says it on Leno. That's you know, right. He, he finds a way <clears throat> to get himself across on a national scale. In front of middle America, he's still Jimmy. He's still, you know, that's that's fucking, that's great right there. Because for all, you know, look, Norton shouldn't be on TV. Never mind fucking, you know, middle America listening to that fucking worm, you know, talk about his shit. He's one of the funniest guys on the planet, but he, instead of saying, fuck it, I'm going to change who I am and kind of be something else on TV, he he found a way. He's just going to find a way to get, it's like when they used to do regular radio instead of serious they had to, they talked about the same disgusting fucked up shit, but they just had to find a different way to say it. You know, they oh, yeah. had to find a way to say dirty fucking pussy without saying dirty pussy. That's right. I remember I remember they'd be like, you know, the 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 C bomb or, you know, they would talk about fun bags instead of saying tits. I remember I remember all that stuff, you know, the one oh two point seven days, or all, all all that real awkward stuff and, and you know, the that's the that's when you know you've made it, when you can sit in front of a crowd, young or old, and deliver the same material and get laughs without anybody being super offended. But in the same instance, I'm sure you've had a couple of, of venues you've worked where people are just complete assholes and make your gig tougher. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of at the point now where, you know, people get, I can kind of do my shit, people get my shit. Um, you know, I say it in a way that young, old, whatever, you know, may, maybe young kids, Sometimes don't get the shit I'm talking about, like really young kids, because they're just not where I'm at, you know, psychologically. But, you know, the only thing that sucks is when you go to a club and they don't care and the fucking people are shit-faced and they come in drunk and they're treating a comedy club like a bar instead of going to see a live stand-up show. That fucking bugs me. You know, somewhere in the last 10 years, comedy clubs became about the chicken wings and the fucking alcohol instead of the actual... A, a, a fucking guy on stage making you laugh, which is fucking amazing. It's one of the fucking, the funnest things to do, go see a live stand-up comic who's funny make you laugh. That's a crazy, awesome night, you know, uh, of entertainment. You know, but some people can't, you know, they don't appreciate it. They've been to it so much that they just go and get shit-faced and talk and fucking yap and yell shit out. I, I fucking hate that, but, you know, you run into that, but it's, as far as people getting offended, you know, look, man, I want to look out and have people go, oh, boy. That if, if everybody likes you, I think you're doing something wrong. 
Yeah, you got to have detractors. You need a couple of them because it motivates you to really do stuff to piss them off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the people that everybody likes, those are the people that usually fucking fall from grace. The ones that are trying to make everybody like them. You know, look at look at Tiger Woods. Look at look at uh, Jesse James. He's a he's a guy who built choppers, got tattooed, and fuck fuck bitches. Then he tried to be the you know stay home dad for an Oscar uh, award winning actress and be the nice guy, but really he wanted to just fuck tattoo bitches. You know. Oh yeah. He- his his scu- his scumminess can't ended up coming out at one point or the other. It's like anything else. Sometimes if you contain how fucked up you are, at some point it's gonna bleed out. So you might as well just be fucked up all the time, and people know that you're really like that. That that that's one thing. You know, is that, don't put on a facade because at some point you know it's gonna crack, and people are gonna see you for what you really are. So they, same shit happened with Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it happens with all of them, man. It happens with all of them. You know, I mean, some guys, some comics get to pull it off, like Bob Saget, you know, comes across as the nice, um, you know, America's Funniest Video Full House guy, and his comedy is just fucking disgusting. There's a couple guys that get to pull that off, but, you know, a guy like me, you know, I'm not not sitting there opening a newspaper every morning and talking about topical shit, because I really don't give a fuck about the world. I, you know, the stuff that I talk about is pretty much just stuff that happens. And then I just bring it on stage, or thoughts, or things that I think about in my own life, and I'll just bring it on stage and and talk about it. So you know, it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It's my thought. You know, it's my, it's mine. It's not yours. It's mine. And you either relate to it or fucking understand it, or that's it. You know, that's all you got. And I think that's how you get closer to who you are. You know, some comics write jokes, man, and they're fucking hilarious. Some guys just write jokes, set up punch tag. You know. Some guys, like, you know, I talk to some guys, and it's like, you know, like they can write an hour in six months, you know? Jesus. I, it takes me, like, two years to come up with an hour. Damn. Yeah, takes, I mean, some guys, but some guys have the same hour for fucking 20 years. They've never written a new joke. Like, there's yeah, guys out there that do the same act. It's, a, it's, it's, it, it's fucked up, man, but... What you know, you keep it fresh by just relating real world stuff. And one thing I wanted to ask you with all the stuff now with Twitter, with Facebook, you know, you're doing the the you know what dude podcast, of course, and you know yeah. you've done uh, you've done the the just a tip album. When with all these new mediums now, do do you think it helps you test out some of your bits, or or is it just another outlet for you to gather material from? Like I've said, you know, when you do the podcast, that you. You just feel so comfortable and so at ease, and does it give you an outlet to test out some of your stuff? Not, not really. I mean, sometimes the podcast, you know, you do it, man. It's just this, when you do a podcast, it's this organic thing that just kind of happens. You know, you kind of have the gift of gab of just talking. So it just, it kind of, it's, it's kind of cool because you say shit and, you know, you philosophize about shit that you'll never talk about again, which I kind of like. You know, you say funny shit that you might not never say again. I mean, you know, sometimes you take stuff and, you know, you'll bring it in. But most of the time, like a podcast is that, that's it right there. It's out there. It's, it's, that's it. It's over. Move on. Sometimes you do. I mean, believe me, if I ever said something really, really funny on my podcast, I'd fucking throw it on stage. I just haven't said anything really, really funny yet. Yeah, but you know what? 
your observations with, with, with the podcast, they, they're, they're uh, almost like, like a set in and of itself. Cause there's, there's a lot of moments in there. Cause I usually listen to them driving to work and it's just like when, when you're there just breaking shit down and, and real casual about it, sometimes it makes it feel like it's just a, your own personal set. That's why I asked if there's any stuff that kind of bleeds into your stand up because of that reason. Yeah, I think I think I probably should, bro. You know, like right now, you know, there's so much. I was actually talking to Louis C.K. about this. Is that, you know, the last six months, seven months, you know, me, Billy Burr, and Joe DeRosa had that film in Tribeca that we wrote and produced and directed. Joe directed, and you know, it kind of took off. And then we got a book deal from it with Simon and Schuster, and you know, we got some other stuff happening with it. And you know, we had to start writing a lot of shit, the book and a couple scripts and, you know, feature length script and script. And, uh, it's weird that you're writing all the time. I've written more in the last year than I've written in my whole career. And, you know, it's what happens. You, you compartmentalize, you shut, when you're writing a script, you shut down comedy, you know, and what you want to do is, you know, you kind of look at what Louis does. He, he writes shows and then, you know, he, he does jokes and then writes shows around those jokes. When your brain starts, you know, connecting all those things, when you connect your podcast and you're, you know, writing a script and, you know, talking to your friends and then all the shit in life and then you can bring that on stage, is kind of when you can, when you really find your voice, you know. And, you know, I, I, I've done that, you know, this, you know, there's times where, you know, I've said something that's just outrageous and I'm like, I'm going to go do that on stage. I'm going to go talk about that on stage. And, um, you know, but sometimes it's, you know, you get afraid or whatever because you want the laugh, dude. You want, you know, you, sometimes your comic ego gets in the way and you want the laugh. Like, even tonight at that show, you know, there's four, you know, there was probably around 30 people there. They were all there. They were great. But, you know, at the beginning I was just trying to, you know, I was up there doing my jokes. And then there was a point where I was like, you know what, fuck this. I'm just going to do this stuff. I joke. I have a set I have to do. We're doing Montreal, and I had these new jokes, and uh, you know, trying to mix some old stuff with some new stuff to get a certain type of set uh, about cheating. And I was like, I'm going to do it, and it did all right. It kind of bombed, but fuck them. You know, they're fine with it. You know, they're fine with it. And I just went in, and then I did another joke, and it, you know, went back into the set, and it was fine. But that's the time where you like get afraid. Fuck it, I'm not going to do it. I just want to. I just want to get the laughs. Once you can get that out of your brain and you can just go up there and do what you want to do, I'm doing this. Fuck them. You know, that's why, like, Billy Burr, you know, when he did, when he got booed off stage in Philly. Oh, man, he murdered that crowd. Well, here's the thing is that Billy went out. I remember talking to him before I went out. This is why I respect Burr so much. He went out and he goes, dude, I'm not fucking catering to this crowd. They're all drunk. I'm doing my jokes that I want to do. I'm not going out there doing jokes that I know will fucking, you know, to kill it and whatever, or cater, and, hey, are you fucking, you know, are you guys drunk? He's not doing I'm going out and doing my act. That's it. And he did. He stuck to it. No matter what. And then he fucking smashed them. You know, oh, with his natural, funny ability. The, the smashing of that crowd was, was epic, man. And that was one thing I, that I had wanted to touch on also, just with you being on the road so much. How, you know, how do you handle any kind of heckling when you're in one of those well, when you're in one of those clubs and you got the drunk fuckers and they're yelling shit out? How do you how do you handle that? Do you just kind of brush it off, or do you sometimes just got to go in for the kill and put them to sleep? 
No, I'd fucking kick him the fuck out. I'll kick him out, dude. You know, people say, how do you handle a hacker? It's uh, the big black bouncer in the back room, that guy. You know? Because <laughs> there's people that are paying to see me do comedy. They they fucking drove an hour or three hours to come see me, spent their hard-earned cash to come out and have a night with their girlfriend or their pals, you know, and they're, I'm, fuck you, you're out. I don't give a fuck. I, I was just in Knoxville at the side splitters, and every show somebody got kicked out. And the first night, I got a bad temper, too. You know, I'm from fucking Boston. I got a fucking bad temper. So I, especially with women, are just fucking, it's usually women that are just drunk, and they're hot or they've never been told to shut your fucking face, you know? Um, So they, you know, you you tell them to be quiet. They're like, no, fuck you. I'll fucking, you don't talk to me that way. Fuck (laughs) you. You know, so, you know, sometimes I get a little fuck and I get a little into it. And there's there's audio of me snapping on, snapping on audience members. But I don't like to do that because... It, I get a little too fucking crazy, and I wind up saying shit that, you know, is a little too far. But, you know, sometimes you got to do that, you know. you got to call a chick a fucking loudmouth fat twat and tell her to beat it. Um, but usually I'll just be like, look, man, can you quiet down? Seriously? And if they don't, they're fucking gone. See you later. Goodbye. Hey, sometimes, it, sometimes it's better that way because I remember... I don't remember if you were on for that. They were talking about it on O&A where this one, one comedian got punched in the face. And, you know, they, yeah. they, they stopped yeah. the set and it's just like, you know, you got these drunk guys in there and if you approach them and you try and, and, and freestyle off of them, you run that risk. So I think sometimes that's the smarter move. Yeah. I mean, look, I've had, you know, I've had death threats and fucking all that shit. I get all that shit, man. Um, <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't back down from anybody, you know, if, you know, some guy's like, fuck you, fuck you too. Like the guy in in, in Knoxville, you know, he fucking still, you fucking motherfucker, fuck you. And I'm like, fuck you, you fucking shit dick, fucking redneck. He's like, oh, fucking, yeah, fuck off. Go ahead, get the fuck out of here, fuck you. He talked to me like that, you fucking idiot. And then he sent me an email the next day, you're lucky that, you, you're lucky I would have kicked your ass, but you would have hit behind all the bouncers. There was no bouncers in the room. The manager of the comedy club was in the back office. It was just him and me. <laughs> oh well, there you go. I, that's funny too. Like the, like that whole keyboard warrior, the the aspect of stuff. You know, I see that on Twitter a lot. I see it with with Jimmy and the boys too. Where you know you go, you put your views out there, and people be like, oh, you know, you're fucked up. You shouldn't do that. know what just happened. Blog Talk Radio is really fucking up tonight. Uh, Rich actually just got bumped off. He should be back in a second. All right, buddy. I'm here. This is no, It's all good, dude. We'll, we'll fucking make fun of it. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm listening <laughs> to the show. I'm hearing you talk about, um, you know, guys talking shit and there's no bouncers in the room. You're like, you're really, you're really hardcore, guys. I mean, you must have saw it coming in. You, you, everybody, everywhere you go, there's a bouncer. That's like the first guy you see, and you're like, all the bouncers in the room. Who the fuck? The bouncer was Casper that night. Nah, there was no fucking bouncers, man. There was the club doesn't have bouncers. It had a manager that was in his office. So 
the guy was just talking shit like like he would have beat me up if they were, if I wouldn't have hid behind people. There was like three waitresses. That was it. He was just a fucking big redneck asshole. <laughs> All right, man. Rich is back. Um, there we go. Um, thanks, thanks for the thanks for the assist, Mike. No problem. <laughs> yeah, those guys. They, these, these guys are really fucking with me. I um, I was catching what you were saying. I had wanted to also talk to you. Um, which which is, was another reason I wanted to bring you on. I had spoken to Meredith because the last time we wanted to set this up, we had wanted to do a an MMA panel because I know you and and Jimmy did Ariel Helwani show and. I know you love MMA, and we cover it. You know, we cover video games. We cover tech. We cover all that shit. So, you know, I had wanted to ask if you had got to see UFC 130. Yes, I did. What did you yes, think I of the did. card? I, I thought the card was good. I mean, um, you know, was, I actually loved uh, Corey uh, beating Tiago. I, I mean, I called that, too. I actually did pretty good on my picks. I, I love that kid. That kid's a fucking tank. He really is a pretty... Uh, I love his backstory, too. Just, you know, his parents splitting up and his mom beating him and going on a trailer with his grandmother and growing up and just a fucking tough redneck that you can take him beating. Um, you know, Rampage, you know... I mean, look, you want to see Rampage. You want to see him body and knock people out. That's what you want to see. But it's not going to happen all the time. Um, nobody wants to see him fight Hamill. You know, Hamill's fucking... I mean, I like... You know, he, all right, I get the, the story. He's deaf. He's come a long way. And, but he's, he's it's boring. He's boring. He's a wrestler. He's a wrestler, and it's a boring fight. So, you know, you throw Rampage in with the act murderer, that's going to be a fucking epic fight. You know? Of they, yeah. Yeah, he got hurt, and they had to throw Hamill in, and whatever. I mean, Frank Mir uh, and, and Big Country... You know, again, you want to see Frank Mir break somebody's arm. He's the top heavyweight jiu-jitsu guy in UFC. And you want to see him go in there and fucking ankle crank somebody. You want to see him go in there and take somebody's arm off or knock somebody out. And it was just a regular fight. And it gets to be a little like boxing. You know what I mean? Where these guys are worried about losing instead of worried about winning. Well, that's... That's one thing I wanted to ask you with, uh, you know, with George St. Pierre, he fought Jake Shields, and, you know, they announced that he's going to be fighting Nick Diaz now for this, you know, super fight. Do you yeah. feel that that's what's happened with, with, with GSP, right? He's become really fucking safe. Well, you got to – I understand it, though, because do you go in and do you throw, you know, throw everything at the guy and risk – getting hit with a lucky shot and losing your belt and having to get back and get back in line to fight somebody, you know what I mean? Or do you set a game plan and stick to your game plan and beat the guy? That's what George St. Pierre's doing. He's going out there figuring out how to beat these guys and win it. Now these guys have the option of fucking knocking them out and tapping them out too, but these guys aren't doing it because George St. Pierre is a fucking top, top notch fighter. But, yeah, I mean, you watch George St. Pierre, you want him to be a champion. You want him to be like like uh, Cain Vlasquez. You want him to be like uh, Anderson Silver. You want him to be like Nick, Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz always puts on a fight, man. He goes in there to fucking fight. So, finally, this is great that the UFC, I can't believe Dana White 
did this, but he's going to fight Nick Diaz. It's going to Nick Diaz isn't going to fucking put up with this bullshit. Nick Diaz is sick on the ground. He's his boxing is he could be a professional boxer. The only thing he's going to have to worry about is wrestling. No, but I you know, him on the ground and you know, he'll tap out fucking GSP. I hope Nick Diaz I'm I'm a fan of Nick Diaz. I know the shenanigans he pulls, and he's kind of awkward in interviews, and he's weird, and you want him to, you know, I guess people want him to be something that he's not, you know? Oh, they yeah. want him to be like, like, like a, a Jones, a Bones Jones, or a, a Hamill, someone who's like, you know, a baseball player. That's why I love MMA, because it's not the stereotypical fucking interview. You're interviewing a guy who beats people up for a living and comes from the ghetto, and he acts as, you know, he acts as such. I love Nick Diaz for what he is. So it's, I'm, I'm so happy that they put this fight together. It's going to be fucking epic. Oh, I'm I'm excited for it too because I think that this will be a test for GSP because, it, like I said, in terms of just fighting safe, like what you were saying with you know fighting to keep the belt, there's not going to be a you know we're going to take this to a decision with him and Nick Diaz. You know Nick Diaz is going to come in there and try to put fist to face immediately. Yeah, Nick Diaz, man, the, both Diaz brothers, the way they fight is they, they throw these really loose jabs and really fluid punches that they don't look like they're doing much. But then if you look after the first round, the guy's eyes shut and he's bleeding out the nose and you're like, shit. You know, those punches are landing, those jabs are landing. They have such a long reach and their boxing is so good and so right on. And there's so much power behind it, but you don't even see it, you know, because you're used to seeing these big... Huge fucking, uh, you know, uh, punches from guys, you know, like uh, Sean Shirk, you know what I mean? Those big muscle punches trying to knock somebody out or, you know, from Shane Carwin and stuff like that. But Nick Diaz, they're boxers, man. They they fucking jab, 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 right hook, cross to the to the liver. They're punching the body, opening up the face. And and, that, and 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 dude, that's not even their strong point. Nick Diaz's strong point is jiu-jitsu. and you haven't even really seen him go to the ground in the last few fights. Nope. So, he, has, he hasn't been tested. That fight with Paul Daly was was a, was a fight where I'm like, oh, he might use his jujitsu and not really want to go in there and stand with Daly, but he didn't give yeah. a fuck. <laughs> no, no, he didn't give a fuck, dude. He goes in there to win. He doesn't go in there to hold a belt. He goes in there to win. And, and and fucking, you know, he's got an attitude, too, which I love. He'll go in there and stand with somebody who stands. That's great. He'll knock somebody out who's a wrestler. I love it. I fucking love it. So it's going to be a great fight. I hope they do it in, uh, I hope they do it back up in Canada, too. I hope it happens, because GSP's got his handful. Now, I look, I'm not, GSP is unbelievable. I'm not saying that, you know, GSP is a, the, one of the top ten fighters in the world. He's got his belt for a reason, and I like GSP, <clears throat> and I can watch his fights because I like watching the fights. I like watching and learning about what these guys are actually doing. This, but the average fan, you know, they want to see a knockout or a submission. They want to see an exciting fight, and the UFC wants to see an exciting fight because if you have, if they want, if they have another UFC 30 on their next pay per view, people aren't going to buy it. You know. People aren't going to buy it. It's going to be like what happened to boxing. When you watch it and, you know, you, Tyson knocks somebody out in the first 30 seconds. It's like, I just spent $50 on this. Yep, you know? first part. 
It is. It's it's fucked up. I mean, that's one thing that I enjoy, which which I was talking about before you came on, is just the the wealth of MMA that's out there. You know, you got the 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 Ultimate Fighter finale this weekend. You got some Japanese MMA on HD Net. Like we're starting to see some great stuff stuff on Versus. Um, with, with with regards to that, are you do you mostly watch just like UFC and Strikeforce, or are you watching some of the Japanese stuff too? No, I'm watching it all, man. Anytime I can see any MMA, I don't care if it's that shit in a parking lot with a fucking <laughs> roller coaster in the background and a fucking a, a ball pool. I, I, I'll watch it all because, you know, I mean, you can see the difference in the fighting, too. It makes you appreciate the UFC even more when you see these low-end uh, MMA bouts. You know, these guys, the, the talent, you forget that it's a comedy. You, you think it can be funny, but we make stand-up comedy look easy. These guys make fighting look easy because they're so good. And then when you watch these other other things, you know, these shows they have late night, you see these guys fighting and it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, they're just sloppy and messy and it's a messy fight. But I still enjoy it. Um, it's still great. I mean, in Japan fights, I love too. It kind of bugs me how quiet the crowds are. You know, uh, it's just a bunch of ooh, ah, <laughs> and, ooh, ah. Uh, but I love that they actually give, you know, they give, they take away money from the fight, which I think the UFC should add. They take the yellow card. If you guys are fucking around, we're going to take 5% of your purse. That's if right. If you guys aren't fighting, we're taking money away from you. And it forces them to fight. I think if they had that in the UFC, where the ref could fucking you know, pull out a yellow card and go, GSP, fucking fight. This is boring. Yeah, I like that. The, the, that's one thing, the the smother and cover and lay and pray. While while I respect, you know, the wrestlers that use it as their discipline, when they just use it completely and utterly in a fight, knowing that, they, that the fight would be a lot more exciting standing up. I mean, they go in there to win fights and get paid, but that the, the smother and cover gets old, especially if it's on a $60 pay-per-view, you know? Yeah, yeah, man. I give credit to the UFC, though. They do put together every... I don't know how they do it, but every time they put together a card, they wind up putting together these undercards or co-main events that are just as fucking exciting as the main event. And you watch these free ones on Spike or on Facebook, or you watch the few preliminary fights before the main event, and they're they're exciting, man. They're really good fights. So... They they always save themselves, you know. If, if it was just one or two fights, you might you might be like, "What the fuck?" But they always do put together a great, like a really good card of guys you want to see fight. You know, like Miguel Torres. I love seeing him fight. It sucked that he lost, but that was a great fight, man. Um, you know, Story Rick Story against Tiago. That was a great fight. That was a really good back and forth fight. Um, what's that seven foot eleven guy that got knocked the fuck out? Oh, Stefan Struve. He got caught with that yeah. Superman punch. <laughs> Dude, that's worth fifty bucks to me to see those fights. See a fucking you know big guy throw a Superman punch and knock a seven foot eleven dude on his fucking asshole. <clears throat> that was a great fight, and that you know because you know I picked him to win too. I don't know. I, I just thought he was gonna beat that fucking tall lanky bitch. And he did. So, you know, they always, I give them credit. They put together great cards. It's not just, they don't base everything around one fight. 
They always make sure that they have a bunch of other great fights on the card so you get your money's worth. Unlike boxing. You know, boxing it was just one awesome super heavyweight fight, and then every other fight before it just sucked. Yep. Just boring. Yeah, the you know, the, the Manny Pacquiao fight, it was like that. You know, when you finally got to the Manny Pacquiao fight, the other fights were okay, but it wasn't like, holy shit, this is, this is insane, you know, and, and the hype. It's almost like, you know, the appetizer and then the main course. By the time you got to the Pacquiao fight, you're like, oh, shit, can this be over? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, so I, I'm, I, I think, you know, you know, those other fights, it's all, you know, I love HDTV with uh, Boss Rutten, you know, the, uh, when they show their fights, those are always great fights. I miss the IFL. Remember the IFL when they had teams? The IFL was fun, man. I mean, they gave us Roy Nelson out of there, so it wasn't the worst thing ever. I think the IFL was a great concept, but it, the the execution, you know, and just there was no money behind it. I actually like Bellator and their tournament formats that they do on MTV too, because they got a lot of really talented guys in there. You know, Tyrone Woodley, not um Tyrone Woodley, um Hector Lombard, uh, Ben Askren. They got they got some talented dudes in there, especially with the tournament style that they do. Yeah, I love the tournament style. I mean, I love that from Japan, and Strikeforce actually did it, but it's like, you fucking assholes, you did it, but you take it, a, it takes a year to fucking get done with it? Yep. You know, it's like, that's so stupid. You guys are assholes. It's like, you do the tournament, have have two of them or three of them fight in one night. Have them all fight in one night. Have three or four super weight, heavy, heavyweight fights, and then have another one in a, a month, and then have another one another month, you know? It's like, and have it be done with. It's like, I was really excited about the tournament fighting, but then it's like, gee, I don't even know who's in it or what happened. I mean, Jesus Christ, you know? Uh, who? What the fuck's going on? After Fader lost, it was like, <laughs> I want to see, see Verdum fight Alistair Overeem. When is that happening? Well, you know, the funny thing is, June 18th is the second leg of that, and Overeem is fighting... Um, you know, Overeem and Verdum is fighting. That's going to be June 18th. And then Barnett and Brett Rogers are on that card as well. And, you know, the return of Gina Carano. So all of that is happening the 18th. But then it's like, when are we going to see now the next round after that? Are we going to have, like you were saying, are we going to have to wait six months to a year for that shit now? I, definitely, it, 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 you suffer with that because those are exciting-ass fights. Yeah, and I mean, it was back in the day. Hoist Gracie fought four times in one night. I mean, if you're going to do a tournament, do a fucking tournament. You know, yeah, I mean, even Dream, Dream doesn't take that long to fucking finish fights. Hell, no, you're 100% right. I think I think that one of the things that, that you know, Zufa's going to be watching is, you know, this Strike Force tournament. Because, you know, that you see how easily they pluck Nick Diaz out of Strike Force. And they're, <laughs> like, they're like, yeah, we're not changing shit. And it's like, yeah, Nick Diaz. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was, that's just so funny. Yeah, no, business as usual, really. Really, is it? You fucking just took their heavyweight champ and fucking made him sign a UFC contract. Really? Scott Coker? Oh, God, I feel bad. For, I like Scott Coker, but, God, watch it back, baby. Oh, he got That's played, it. man. He, he, he's well, just in place right now. Well, here's the deal. You know, Nick Diaz was going to go fight box because Force doesn't have anybody for him to fight. There's nobody left. You know, the UFC has all the talent. So he had, they had to put this fight together because to keep him interested, he had to go fight GSP. And GSP had to fight him. 
because GSP, they're talking about Anderson Silva. GSP is going to gain, what, 15 pounds and go up and fight Anderson Silva, who's got reach and height on him? Fuck you. That's a stupid fight. Anderson Silva should go up uh, 15 pounds and fight uh, Bones Jones. Damn right. I agree 100%. Like, yeah, it's like, dude, you're in the division. You wiped it out. Okay, fuck you. Put some muscle on and go fight a guy your size. How's that sound? That's right. GSP would be GSP would get murdered by Anderson Silva just because, like you said, of reach and height alone. I mean, GSP isn't a slouch and he'll be competitive, but Anderson should go up. And besides, Dana White always has a hard on for Anderson Silva. Anyway, make his ass go up and fight and fight John Jones and fight some of those guys. You know, Anderson Silva and Rampage. You know how the buy rate for that would be? People would fucking jizz in their shorts. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I tell you what, Rampage would lose that fight. <laughs> sad, sad but true, and I I love Rampage, but Anderson Silva is just on another planet. But I tell you this, I thought Chael Sonnen had him, man. Chael Sonnen talked a lot of shit, but as soon as that bell rang, he punched him right in the face. Oh, he had him, but those fucking roids really helped him. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, I could fight Anderson Silva if you pump me up on roids. Well, well, yeah. he had, you know, uh, uh, allegedly, you know, he had he had um, testosterone production issues from his testicles, yeah. and that's why he had to get the hormones and all this shit. You you know the deal. You know how that shit goes. Look, yeah, Chael Sonnen's a liar, dude. <laughs> he, he fucking, he lies like Hitler. You know what I mean? The, the bigger the lie, the more people that believe it. He's, he's, he just lies. He lies and keeps lying and believes the lie until you're just, like, just us cattle out here, just like, what's the truth? Uh, uh, you know, he's just a liar, dude. I mean, I like Chael Sonnen. I think he's funny. And I think he's a good fighter, but you, look, I know these guys do steroids, okay? You can't, you, to heal, you can't fight for a living and not use some type of enhancement to heal. These guys right. would just be finished. So, but, you know, it, it's, it's sad when you, someone, you know, using something to enhance him in a fight. To heal is one thing. To fucking cut it off and get off of it before you have to fight, you know, and then go in there and be the, you know, you and fight as yourself is another thing, you know? So, you know, I think um, I think it's great, though. I hope they start. I can't, I, I would love to see Strikeforce stay Strikeforce because I like the format of it. I like the guys. I like, you know, I love Frank Shamrock and um, I, I, I like the fighters they have. But I think it's going to be another WEC and they're just going to suck it up and suck all the talent up. And then, which will be good. I mean, it's going to suck because there's going to be no competition, but it's going to be good because the fights that they're going to put on, the whole fight is going to be, it's going to be incredible. I mean, think of the heavyweights that are going to be able to fight each other. Oh, yeah, dude. Alistair Overeem, Brock Lesnar would be ridiculous. You know, Verdum and Frank Mir, insanity. You know, Josh Barnett and, and um, you know, Junior Dos Santos or Cain Velasquez. Oh, man, there, there's so much money there. Dana White's going to be, be swimming in it. Did you see? Did you see how much weight Shane Carwin lost? Yeah, he looks he looks great, man. I saw. I've been watching his uh, the Camp Carwin videos, and he he's in he's in serious seriously awesome shape. Dude, he fucking he doesn't even look. But I'm just wondering if that's gonna take away some of his power. Because I thought the same thing. He has he he could. I mean, dude, he was a monster, and he knocked people out with those big mitts. He was knocking people out. I know he lost the weight because of fatigue and his body shut down. I mean, he beat he beat Brock Lesnar. He yep, beat he him. Did. He did. He just his body shut down. His legs couldn't move, 
And, the, I mean, he, he, there's nothing he could do. That was, like, you know, hopeless. And, you know, I mean, he got tapped out. He got fucking submitted by Brock Lesnar. There's no way that should have happened. And, you know, I understand why he did it, but I hope it doesn't affect his... I hope it doesn't affect his strength and his power because I'm a, I am love Shane Cohen. I think he's great. I love that he still has a job as a fucking engineer and he trains his ass off, but... He looks like a different person, man. He's fucking shredded. He he is shredded, and and it's gonna be you know that that fight between him and Junior Dos Santos, there's not gonna be any there's not gonna be any any pussy footing around. That bell's gonna ring, and somebody's head is gonna end up in the fifth row. Yeah, Junior's. I like Junior, man. I really like him a lot. But this this fight is gonna be really good. Um, I like both guys a lot. It's gonna there's, there's not gonna be really any trash talking, which is gonna be. You know, I, you know, I kind of like the trash talking. You know, they're both respectable guys, but it's going to be a fucking great fight because Junior's a bad motherfucker, and so is Carwin. And if we, and if Carwin actually got his cardio up and he doesn't gas out and dump adrenaline, then he can go the five rounds. It's, it's I mean, the three rounds. It's going to be fucking great because then whoever fights Carwin, uh, Shane, Car- uh, whoever fights um, Kane. That's going to be a fucking great. Either one of those guys is going to be a great fight. How do you how do you feel about about the Brock Lesnar situation? I mean, you know that diverticulitis. It's crazy because he had it. You know, he kind of had it under control, and then in the Kane fight, it started rearing its head a little bit, and then he just couldn't get ready. You think it was you know the the year off? It, he now that he's gotten pretty much almost a foot of his colon cut out. How do you think it'll affect him on on the road back? You think he'll he'll be more dangerous now because it's like, all right, we got no health issues and he's just going to come in there and dominate? Or do you think that by the time he gets back, the wealth of talent will be so deep that it's not going to be as easy as he thought, you know, before he went out? Yeah, he's in trouble, bro. He he came in at a time where the heavyweight division was dying. Um, you know, Frank Mir was around. Uh, the, you know, the, some guys were coming up and coming into the UFC, but there really wasn't that many guys around fight. I mean, the guys that he fought to to get to the belt, eh, you know, um, now, especially with strike force, if he comes back and, you know, Overeem and fucking uh, um, um, uh, Verdum and, I mean, if these guys are in there with Shane Cohen and, and, uh, and Kane and, and Junior, those are some pretty, those are, they're, they're young and they're fighters. They've been doing this their whole careers. Brock Lesnar was a fucking wrestler turned football, turned wrestler, turned MMA. That's right. Um, and he doesn't like to get hit in the face. No, sir, he does not. <laughs> yeah, you can you can punch Shane Cowan in the fucking neck. It doesn't matter. You can elbow any of these guys and punch him right. Nothing. You punch you know Brock in the face and he. You know, it's a weird thing. Like, I've been, you know, punched in the face. You know what I mean? I've gotten into fights. But the first time I stepped into a ring to box a, this guy, it was a totally different story. <laughs> you know what I mean? It hurt, and it was scary. And I stopped doing it. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't do MMA, Bobby, as much as you like it. You know, I've, I mean, I've heard you talk about some of the boxing stuff. I'm surprised that you never even taken it up, you know, just... Casually, I, I I was a yellow belt in Kempo Karate. <laughs> wow! But, uh, I I uh, 
Yeah, Korea just sucked. I, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I would love to take uh, jiu-jitsu, um, you know, but I'm on the road every fucking week, man. Uh, I would love to do it, um, and I think I would definitely get into jiu-jitsu, not to do anything with it, but just to actually learn it. And, it's a, you know, it's a great – a friend of mine, Bill Dawes, who's a comedian actor, he takes crazy jiu-jitsu in New York. <clears throat> and he's actually rolled with GSP, comes down and stuff like that. And um, I would love to do it just for the workout, but, you know, I'm 40, dude. i got a fucking repaired ACL. I'm not really going to – you know, I'm not going to do it. I've been in some street fights, but street fights are different than what these guys are doing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Street fights are usually uh, – try to suck a punch. If that doesn't work – you push each other and get somebody in a headlock, and uh, and then you get tired and you go, all right, I'm done, I'm done. Hopefully your friends break it up, you know what I mean? That's right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Brock Lesnar, you know, he can go in and wrestle and throw guys down, and but even his punches don't look, he's never really fucked anybody with a punch. I've never seen him really hurt anybody with one of his punches. Yeah, the only dude he kind of hurt was um, the one of the first guys he fought, Oh, um, what the hell was his name? The the guy called the the Texas Crazy Horse, where he uh, yeah with the hair, yeah, where he punched him across the cage. That was the only guy that I felt that he hurt at all. Yeah, but where is he now? Yeah, well, exactly. Where the fuck is <laughs> where the fuck is he? Yeah, he was kind of fun to look at with the hat and the crazy colored hair. But I mean, he wasn't really the caliber that the UFC has now of heavyweights is. You know, Jesus, man, it's fucking, it's ridiculous. These guys are legit. So I, I don't think that, um, you know, I'm just, I, I'm just interested in seeing what Shane Cowan and, and this Junior Dos Santos fight. I'm interested in seeing what Shane, what losing all this weight, does. And I think Brock needs to do this too. Because I don't, you know, when you throw, when you have a big arm like that, you know, throwing a punch, I don't think is as easy and as fluid as when you thinned out and you jab that fucking jab out there. You know what I mean? You can throw that punch out there. Um, I don't know. I'll, hopefully I'll see it. But did you see the uh, naked photo of uh, Tito Ortiz? You know what was funny about that? As somebody that covers MMA, they go, hey, man, Tito Ortiz is naked, and you really got to ask yourself, it's like, do I really look at this shit? And I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck would all these people ended up naked? You know, the Blake Lively shit, the Anthony Weiner shit. I'm like, Tito, what are you doing? Oh, my account got hacked. That's what everybody says. It's like, dude, you, you put some shit out there. You know, you're beefing with Jenna Jameson. You knew some shit was going to go down from that. There it is. You're ass naked on the internet. Yeah, yeah, dude. And they're saying this is fake. This is actually photoshopped. But I'll tell you why it's not. That's Tito's. And first of all, I'm looking at it right now. I would, I would not deny this in a second. If that was my hog, <laughs> the size of it, I would fuck. Yeah, that's me. Yep, that's my fucking huge Mexican hog. <laughs> I don't know why he would have a problem with fucking this photo being out there. <laughs> it's got a, he's got a big, huge dick, and he trimmed his bush fat too. And you, but you can kind of tell it's him. I mean, I, I don't know, dude. It's his, you know, that's his little fucking abs and his chest, and you know what I mean. I have no problem with this. If this was me. Well, the fu- the funny thing is that you know, as soon as this shit happens, depending on who it is, oh my account got hacked. I can't believe it. It's like, dude. It's like, if it's you, fuck it. Just be like, look, I'm going through this shit. My chick got my password. And, you know, we, there were some photos. And be done with it. But the more you sit there and just deny the shit, the more steam it's going to pick up. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Is if it was me or you denying it, 
I would do it because I get, it would just be awful to see my little flower pud in a bushel <laughs> of tubes. It would just be embarrassing. I mean, it would just suck. But look at dude. You just open up to it. That's got to be at least a 10-inch piece. His <laughs> dick is bigger than my dick soft hanging down than my dick hard. You might, so you I, might I, as well up. Yeah, just fuck. Your wife's a, your chick's a porn star, and you get a big piece. Really? Are those your problems? Well, I, you know what was funny about that, and, and you, you, you may have a, a, an interesting take on it. Is it me, or as soon as he got married and, and did all this shit, that his career took a complete fucking nosedive? I don't know, man. Oh, man. I mean, he, he, look at, he, he, he's, um, Tito Ortiz, he's another one of those guys like Chuck Liddell. It's like the time is kind of come and go. I mean, those guys were, uh, the second wave of UFC fighters, that the MMA fighters that came up. And they brought the sport to what it is today. If it wasn't for Tito, if it wasn't for Shamrock, if it wasn't for Chuck, um, you know, all these guys right now, St. Pierre and Silver and all these guys that are making millions wouldn't have wouldn't have that opportunity. But, you know, it's it's his time has come and gone. I mean the guys the guys that are fighting now are you know, these guys they just they're just it's their time. They've been you know what I mean? It's like he, I, when he fights, I haven't seen Tito fight a good fight in a long time. Yeah, it's sad, man. I was a huge fan of his, and I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Every time, and it's always some bullshit, and it's always, oh, I was hurt, uh, and I hate hearing that shit, because it's like I hear it too much from him. Oh, I was hurt, and, you know, I had a hematoma in my fucking head. You know, Jenna Jameson sucked all the talent out of me. You know, just always some shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think that... Uh, you know, I mean, I think they should move him into a position, you know, for promoting the sport like they did with Chuck. Because Tito is definitely a fucking, you know... Did you see the fight he almost got in with uh, Matrone? Oh, yeah, at the, at the UFC Expo. It was funny because I was at work when that was happening. And I'm watching yeah. it unfold, and then I see this video, and Matt Mitrione's like, dude, you want to go? And Tito Ortiz's like, I'll fucking punch you in the face. And I'm like, dude, you can fight... Matt Mitrione is an ogre. It's like fighting Shrek. <laughs> yeah. like, like what? Oh, Matt, Matt's actually a heavyweight too, and you know he he can take a punch, dude. He can take a he. You know these guys, you forget you get punched in the face for ten years. There's a point where your brain doesn't come back from that, and you get hit, and you just go out. You just you you can't you you don't recover. That's what happened to Chuck. I mean, he you could punch him. He was you know he's winning the fight. He's kicking ass. And then he gets punched in the fucking face, and it's out. He's out. Lights out. Like his last fight that he fought, he was in the best shape of his life. He was winning the fight. And then Frank Franklin punched him with a, you know, he had a broken arm. He broke Franklin's arm. Yeah, with that Chuck kick. Chuck was going to win that fight. But his chin, it's no good. And he got hit in the chin, and he went the fuck out. You just, that's it. It's a wrap. You can't, you can't fix that. Training, training, I don't think, can fix that. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. But um, the, the the other two things I had to ask you about was um, the the ra- be rampage rampage motorboating fucking Karen Bryant the the the, the female uh, MMA interviewer. Oh well, that, that that I wanted to ask about that just because rampage is out of his fucking mind, and I love the fact that he doesn't give a shit. But I wanted to ask you about that because it's like. At some point, do you just feel it coming where one of these guys is going to pull some shit with the wrong chick 
and it's just going to blow up in you know it, for in the sports fate. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, these guys, you know, like you know, baseball players and football players, and you know, you know, they've been schooled for you know a hundred years on how to fucking act to the press. These guys, this sport is brand new, it's especially as we know it today. And these guys are fighters. These guys aren't. They didn't go to, you know, they weren't brought up in Little League and then went to Pop Warner or whatever, then went to high school and then got a scholarship and went to college for four years and played triple-A ball and came up on the, you know, minor league team. And, you know, that's years and years of learning how to deal with the press and, you know, be a bullshit, these people. These guys are coming off the street, you know? And Rampage is one of the funniest guys out there. I mean, his videos from Japan, I don't know if you've ever watched them, Oh, well, he's just clowning the Japanese people? Yeah, I love those. He's just trashing Japanese people. They're hilarious. But I think someday, if this sport is kind of still under the radar, uh, but but when this sport does pop out, when it does become a, one of the major sports, like the major four, they're really going to have to keep that in check. Because when an ESPN... Now, that girl, what's her name? Ka- uh, Karen Bryant. Uh, Karen, uh, she's from MMA Heat. She's yep. a good sport. She's cool. She's you know, she's a, she she knew Rampage. She knows he's a goofball. She didn't take you know, she stuck up for him. But other women interviewers in other sports were pissed off <laughs> because they have to deal with football players and basketball players and baseball. They don't want it to be okay for somebody to fucking put their face in your tits and motorboat you. Oh yeah, I think that you know what what happened with the Jets. With uh, with you know, with the reporter with the Jets and and, and it's happened on you know with with Aaron Andrews, it, it it's just crazy shit and I and I can understand the beef with that, but that just comes from the fact that the organization is kind of letting that rock. When, when what you were saying is is a hundred percent correct. It's like at some point the you know when MMA reaches that upper echelon where everybody's making crazy money, that shit isn't gonna fly anymore. Well, let me tell you something. I did a. Uh... I did a comedy tour for Maxim Magazine and Coors Light. It was a girl search to find the next Coors Light Maxim girl. And we would go to 15 different cities, Cleveland, Philly, you know, Detroit, Boston, New York, all that shit. And we'd go into these theaters and we'd have like 10 chicks. And they'd go out there and do their little fucking tricks or stupid games in front of a room full of drunk dudes on Coors Light. And they would, you know, literally almost get naked and spin on their fucking assholes and put their legs behind their heads and all this crazy shit. And I said, one night I said, the girl was spinning on her, you know, literally her her asshole was hanging out in a bikini and like her tits and her nipples. It was just, you know, I said, God damn. And one of the guys from Coors Light came up to me and he said, uh, Robert, uh, you know, good job, but please refrain from using the Lord's name in vain. Please don't don't say goddamn. Wow. The, the, the reps from Coors Light were here, and you know, blah blah blah. And I was like, yeah, but there was a girl spinning on her asshole. <laughs> what is that? Okay, okay, okay. I get it. So once you once you start dealing with corporate, it's a whole different ballpark. That's like what happened to Brock when he trashed Coors Light, of you know, because they didn't give him money, and or Bud Light or whatever it was. Um, you know, you can't do that shit. This is big time. This is, you know, corporate sponsorship makes it legit. And it's all a fucking game. And, uh, you know, once that's, they, they're going to have to get their shit together. 
He, he's, he can't be motorboating fucking, you know, interviewers. Well, the I get it. Oh, yeah, you're right. And the worst part is, especially with us trying to get it sanctioned here in New York, you know, the, these, these fucking politicians, they'll go, look at your athletes. Look at what they're doing instantly. It's like they'll find yeah, this yeah. shit like that. And they'll go, look at what they're doing. Look at what the, the UFC organization is allowing to happen. Is this what's going to be happening if they become part? You, you know how that goes. You know how politicians Well, are, how about this? How about if Karen Bryant wasn't a cool chick? She could have pressed charges. She yep. could have fucking filed a suit. She could have him fucking, you know, that's on video of him actually going to her tits. She could have sued him for defamation and making her look like an asshole and ruining her career. I mean, the, the fuck, that would be all over the news. The news, the, all the ESPN, all those places would pick that up in a second to fucking use it against MMA. So these guys are just fucking barbarians. Look at them. Yep, you know, look what they do. He just beat somebody up, and now he's putting his uh, face in the chick's tits. And she, you know, she, Jesus, man, she, if she wasn't cool, he could have been in some fucking trouble. Well, that's the worst part. She she was a good sport about it, but, uh, you know, especially doing a lot of MMA stuff now and, and seeing a lot of the different personalities out there that are doing all these interviews it, it, it's like you know that when it comes to Rampage, now they're going to be like, yo, this dude's a little touchy-feely. You just be careful. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it's funny, dude. I, I I, mean, I love Rampage. He's fucking got to be one of the funniest guys. And I love, I feel bad for Ariel Hawani the last Oh, he clowned. Oh, my God. I don't know what, that was uncalled. I mean, poor Ariel went at it with Miguel. He goes, at, I mean, fucking Nick Diaz doesn't like him. Um... I mean, did you see the one Nick Diaz was going to fucking... I mean, he goes, yeah, we, the way we deal with that, we, we, I'll slap you in your face. That's the way we deal with it. I mean, he was going to fucking crack him. Rampage was going to fucking knock him out. I, I mean, I love Ariel Hawani. Ariel Hawani is my favorite interviewer at the fights. I think he's funny. I think he's he, he his interviews are long. They're not these short, quick fucking... You know, stereotypical interviews. He asks great questions. He lets the person answer them. Um, I just felt I feel bad for him recently because a lot of fighters are like in his face. Well, I think what's happening is that in doing his job, you know, like Nick Diaz, when with the Nick Diaz interview, and I watched it twice, it's almost like Nick Diaz goes, you know, you like to start a lot of shit, man, and you know, when dudes start a lot of shit, they get slapped in the face, and it's just like. The problem is, and this goes back to what you said earlier, it's like a lot of these dudes are, are from the hood. So yeah. you, you can't approach them with a delivery like, well, how do you feel that so-and-so said? Because they're going to be like, well, I didn't hear that. You're trying to start some shit. Right. That's the yeah, worst. They're gonna have to. they're going to have to learn how to do interviews and take the hits like, you know, but look, I mean, I just hope nobody hits poor Ariel because he is a really thin, small, Gentile dude. And uh, I thought Rampage <clears throat> that nose that nose is huge. <laughs> that it, the, the the nose gets a lot of heat. I had a I had a video blogger Bloodstain Lane on. He does a lot of the Strike Force stuff. He does Japanese MMA, and and he always makes sure to reference the nose. And it was funny because in the last interview when Rampage won the fight, the second interview, he's like, you know, I'm an alpha and you're a beta, and your damn nose is too damn big. And I'm just like, oh my god, just just getting just getting murdered. For for for, well, that, for for ten minutes. Well, that's his. But that's his. He knows it. You know what I mean. He knows that his. Uh, he, that's what he calls himself. The nose. But 
Yeah, I, I just hope he, he I hope he, uh, I hope people chill the fuck out with the poor guy because he does, he puts on, I mean, look, man, you try to find, you try to find in-depth interviews, you try to find high-def, really good quality interviews with fighters post, pre-fight, uh, pre-fight and post-fight, uh, Dana White, I mean, all the fucking guys, you try to find, you can't, it's hard to find, and if you do find it, it's kind of cheesy and, you know, whatever, I mean, his interviews are fucking the the best interviews. I like him and Mike Straka, but Mike Straka needs to fucking be back on regular TV because he's on that fucking HD net, and you know Time Warner doesn't fucking carry it. And I'm not changing. Like, I'm not changing my whole fucking thing to get you know Mike Straka. Mike Straka's fucking great interview. I used to do a show in New York, uh, Fighting Words. Right, right, right. Yeah, it was one of my favorite shows to watch. Anyways, and then he actually asked me to be on it, and it was fucking awesome. I was actually on it with uh, uh, Frankie Edgar be- way before he was the champ, even considered to fight for the championship. He was on it all the time. Um, yeah, Mike Straka is great, but Mike Straka can strap. Nobody's gonna fuck scrap. He nobody's gonna fuck with Mike Straka because Mike Straka is a, f- a tough motherfucker. Have he you, actually fights. Have you seen the voice verses with uh, with Mike Schiavello? Um, yes, I have. That's the English guy or the Australian guy. Yeah, dude, he, he is an animal with his interviews. His, um, his interview with Overeem was, was flawless. And he's doing a new one with, uh, with Badahari and, and Badahari is, a is, is that when that guy comes to the U S man, it, it's, it's going to be a bloodbath. Cause he, he does Mike Tyson style, just violent knockouts. He's right. a scary dude. Yeah, I've seen him before. I like his interviews. I just, I have to be honest, the Australian accent is, it's a fucking, I hate it. I fucking hate it. I hate it. It's the worst fucking accent on the planet Earth. It's, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and it, I just, from the show, remember the show Lost? Yeah. Remember the Brit, the bitch, the Australian bitch? My baby, Charlie, my baby, my baby. Ugh, <laughs> fucking hate it. <laughs> Every time I hear it, I fucking, I just, it fucking makes my, I'd rack, I want to smash my own teeth. Jesus Christ. The the last, is, the, yeah, last MMA, uh, the last MMA thing I got for you, and I, I didn't mean to cut you off, was um, fee, uh, women's MMA. How do you, how do you feel about it? I, I love it, dude. I think women, uh, you know, I think women's MMA is, uh, I think they fight, I think they fight. To prove something, every time you see a woman's fight, they're in there scrapping. They're really scrapping, and uh, it's like you know, women boxers. You know, you remember when women started boxing? Those fights were always better than the main event sometimes because they go in there to really prove that they can fight. They throw everything at each other. I mean, it's a little weird, you know. I mean, sexually, you know, I'm a dirtball, so when I see you know these chicks in tights, you're just hoping that. You're just hoping a boob pops out or a fucking pussy lip flips out one time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. But uh, we all we all hope for we all hope for those beautiful things. But uh, then, yeah. then we remember that they can beat us to death. Yeah, but which turns me on even more. I mean, dude, when Gina Carano had to change at the weigh in and the thing flipped and you saw her boob for a second. Oh, she was yeah, when she was doing the weighing in the towel, dude. Yeah, I remember that. She got completely oh. naked. The the internet just stopped. <laughs> yeah. She what's her name? Chandela Powell, uh, posing for Playboy. No. Um it was Ariani. Ariani did Playboy. 
No, 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 no. This new girl, Chandela pa- uh, Powell. She did? Yeah, she's posing for Playboy. She posed oh, for Playboy. She... Yeah. It's on uh, one of my favorite sites, MMATKO.com. If you go to the second page, she's up there, and she's, hold- she's just popless holding her tits. Oh, shit. I didn't even know. I, I would have thought that they would have done uh that Brittany Palmer would have done it. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's, uh, she's, she's well, all those girls are. She's shredded, though. But, you know, dude, Gina Carano is hot as shit. She's smoking hot. I love her. I mean, just her whole thing is just smoking hot. But um, I think that she's a great fighter. I love, I love seeing the girls fight. I think they should fight. And I, it's, it kind of sucks that, you know, Dana's so against it. Um, but I think the more girls that fight, the more women watch the sport and the more popular it gets. You know, and the women, you know, I mean, look, nobody gets really that hurt in it. I mean, you know, there, there's a ref in there stopping it before it goes too far. It's not like boxing where the guy's getting punched in the fucking head, you know, 150 times in a fight until he literally knocks him the fuck out. I mean, you know, there's there's other wrestling and grappling and fucking, you know, in, in boxing and, you know, uh, there's other ways to win a fight, so it's not like you're just getting punched in the face over and over again. I, I, I definitely would love to see women in UFC fighting. I think it'd be great because they fight, man. That'd be great to go to a UFC and see a woman a, like Cyborg or Carano fighting. Uh, Cyborg, Carano, Misha Tate, Marlos Kunin. They got they got some chicks that are that are really throw throw some serious beatings on people, and that, I, I really hope Dana gives it a shot. Even if he keeps Strike Force exclusively for that. You know, maybe that might be the way to go, but he's got to keep that, man. I think, uh, and I and I've said this before in, in talking to a, to a couple of other guys that have been on. They, they should he should do an Ultimate Fighter with with male and female fighters. It would be insane. Um, I don't know, about, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know if they, I don't. I think that if you do, they actually did have a woman's Ultimate Fighter show. That's right. On TV for a hot minute, and it sucked. Nobody wants to watch fucking, you know, it's behind the scenes that makes the show. I don't want to fucking sit there and, you know, fucking this girl crying because she's fucking, you know, she misses her kid or <laughs> girls helping each other out or, you know, I don't want to save that shit for fucking Bravo. I don't want to see a reality show with women fighters, but I definitely want to see them fight. I definitely like to see them fight. Absa, Absa, fucking movie. Speaking of that, how great is it that Bisbing and, um, and, uh, What's his name? Are going to be the coaches? Um, Mayhem, Mayhem, and, and Mayhem Mill. Dude, uh, that's going to be uh, fucking awesome. Uh, the, the 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 shit talking, the pranks, all that shit is going to be insanity. Dude, Mayhem is funny. Mayhem's a goofball. This thing, and this is the problem. Mayhem has a has a comic sense of humor, where he's self deprecating. Okay. To be a comic, you have to know your limits. You have to know when somebody says something funny about you, you have to laugh. You know what I mean? When Norton says a a fat joke, if it's funny, I'm laughing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's like, you know, when you say something to a comic, Mayhem has that comic's fucking attitude where if it's funny, he will laugh or he makes fun of himself and... He busts balls. Bisbing doesn't have that. Bisbing has that fucking jock, bully type of fucking comedy. <clears throat> Where he says mean shit and busts balls, but as soon as you get him back, he gets angry. Yep. 
That's right. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens, and I'm sure that Mayhem is going to get under his skin more so than fucking Bisping get under fucking, you know, because it's it's like you know, you, you know, you can sit there and <clears throat> sit there and say shit about my mother, but if I go, if you just call my mother a whore, and I'm like, yeah, my mother is a fucking dirty whore. That takes all the fun out of it for you. That's right. Well, that's yeah, why I Koscheck too with Koscheck and GSP. Same same thing you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's, yeah, that's going to be great. I can't wait for next year's Ultimate Fighter. This one was another fucking anticlimactic one because mm-hmm. of fucking Brock having to pull out. So. Yeah, I was. I, that's what I was saying before. I watch every season, and this season I just didn't feel that connection. Besides the fact that they couldn't fight their way into the house, which I didn't like. And, and just, you know, that lack of, you need that little bit of beef between the two coaches, you know, because it makes for great television. And, and Brock and Junior Dos Santos, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I don't like the guy, but, you know, I got to fight him. Like, there was that mutual respect, which watered down the presentation. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, a, I think the fighters were really good this year. I liked the fights. Um, I thought they were really good. I watched all the episodes. I still was into it, but... Um, it it just you know it started to build for me like the show does, but then at the end when I knew Brock wasn't fighting, it was like ah come on, now fight you know, it, and I think this one which they're doing good is that those guys Bisping and Mayhem are going to fight in the final show with the other fighters. Yep. So it's that's going to be good. That's I think this next season is going to pull it back up because that's what you want to see. Now you give me something to invest in. Now I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch the whole season because these two fucking cocksuckers are going to fight at the end of this on the show that the other guy's going to fight, which is going to be great. Oh, yeah, I'm, su- I'm, su- I'm super pumped for it. And um, the uh, shit, we, we, we ran through all the MMA shit. The last thing I had wanted to, to ask you, I know you had done some, some work on GTA, and I know you, you're, a, you're a gamer too on occasion. Are you, are you, pl- you, know, what are you What games are you playing now? Well, the weird thing is, uh, the last I was playing Red Dead Redemption for a while, uh, like eight months ago. I, you know, I just somewhere out of the blue, somebody told me to get Red Dead, and I was I put it off, I put it off, and then I played it, and I was fucking, I was just in fantasy land. Um, it was one of the best games I've ever played. You know, I just loved Red Dead, and then right after that, Call of Duty came out. So Black Ops came out, so it was like I kind of dropped Red Dead for Black Ops, and, you know, I loved it, um, you know, just playing every day and getting all my guns and fucking, you know, all the guys, and I actually played with, uh, um, what's his name? Oh, fuck. The guy from Boston there. Joe, uh... Oh, the guy that... The guy, Yo, that, what? the guy that worked on the game? Nah. What's the fighter from Boston? Joe, uh... Oh, Joe Lazon. Yeah, Joe Lazon. He plays all the time, too. That He's a he's badass. I'm sorry, my, my, he's one of my favorite fighters, too, but my brain just fucking... Just, just stopped. Um, yeah, dude, he's really good at Call of Duty. Him and his friends... Like, I play with my friends, and they're really good, but him and his friends are, like, no joke. They, they really... They're, like, fucking really good Call of Duty fucking players. Um, but then I, st- you know, I, the, the the book deal came in and a TV thing and all this shit, so I've been, I had to put it down. I, I haven't picked it up in a while, but, um, 
you know, I was kind of excited for Brink, but I I, be, I was literally going to go and buy Brink, but then I everybody told me it sucked, so I just put the halt on that, and now I'm going to get you know Rockstar's new game. Oh yeah, L.A. Uh, Noir. L.A. Noir is sick. How is it great? Yeah, dude. It, it, you know what it is. You have to get past the fact that it's not all run and gun. Like you got to use your 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 brain and you got to solve cases and shit. And you got to just apply, you know, logic into stuff. So a, a lot of people are like, oh, this is bullshit. You know, it's really pretty and it's really beautiful, but it's not, you know, it's not for everybody. Like, I played it for a little bit and I was just like, oh, what the fuck? And then I was like, oh, okay. You know, like, you got to know. No multiplayer? Um, not that I know of, but I heard they were going to do a patch and do something with it. I think the patch is going to have more cases, though, just because it's just more so showing off the technology and the experience. Yeah, I think I'm going to get it to fuck around with it. Um, you know, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm a, I'm a multiplayer guy. I really don't play the, the, the game itself. I'm really not into going, you know, through that Laura Croft shit where you have to find a fucking painting on the wall and turn it to the east and then the door opens and a dragon falls and I, you know what I mean? I like fucking, I like multiplayer. I like getting a team and fucking fighting other motherfuckers around the world and, and, you know, doing that shit. So, but I'll, I'll still get it because. Uh, you know, Rockstar always puts out fucking crazy shit. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what I was playing is Red Dead. I'm probably going to go back to Red Dead uh, when I can. And, you know, uh, Call of Duty just came out with some new maps that I just downloaded before I went on the road that looked pretty fucking hot. Yeah, the Escalation maps are sick. And then besides that, come come the fall, dude, you'll get uh, the new Modern Warfare where the, where the terrorists bring it to New York. It's fucking sick. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I love all those games. I'll play all those games. And Bad Company is, is supposed to be uh, coming out with another game, too, that's supposed to be fucking crazy. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're, they're well en route to another billion-dollar franchise, you know? Yeah, man. Fucking great. Yeah, I can't wait. But, you know, right now i got to fucking focus in on the shit that I'm doing. No, I hear you, dude. I hear you. All right, man. Well, I know I know it's 1 o'clock, and I know you got to rest and do your gigs. But, but before I let you go... Um, I just wanted to make sure you you promoted all your stuff. I know you're this weekend. That, that'd be funny, dude. If you went before I let you go, I'm just letting you know this was all a fucking joke. We didn't record any of this shit. You yapping fucking chatty Kathy click. <laughs> no, sir. Everything everything will be recorded. There'll actually be a write up for it. I know we had a couple of audio issues. I'm going to try and fix and post, but um, I'll make sure you get all the links and stuff for for the show. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, dude. Right now, uh, you know, I'm plugging, you know, I'm, I'm, I got some stuff happening with my podcast, you know, you know, I, I did a podcast for like, you know, 10, 20, 12 years ago with Colin Quinn before anybody did podcasts. Oh. Um, it's called, you know, it was up on iTunes and I stopped doing it and then everybody started doing podcasts over the last fucking five years and now I started doing my podcast again and taking it serious in the last couple months, doing one once a week. So I'm starting to do one once a week with guests, sometimes by myself, sometimes two. Um, I got some people that I might be <clears throat> joining forces with in the next couple weeks. So uh, hopefully some announcements with the podcast, kind of make it a little, you know, a little better uh, for the people. Uh, and uh, so that, that, you know, it's you know what, dude, on, on iTunes. You can check it out. Um, pretty much the same stuff, you know, you talk about. Um, just, you know, sometimes I have Joe DeRosa on who knows nothing about sports. 
it's just me talking MMA to myself. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, you know, my Robert Kelly Live, go there because I'm. Uh, we got the, you know, we're doing the book right now. The film that me and Billy and Joe did is in Montreal Comedy Festival in July. Um, we're going to be up there doing our live show. The three of us are live. That's called Cheat Live. The movie's going to be up there. If you want to go see it, you can go to Montreal Festival this year. And uh, I'll be touring, doing some dates with Dennis Leary uh, next month. That's badass, dude. And then, of course, you got your CD, Just a Tip, on Amazon, and you can get the MP3s on iTunes. Yes, sir. My app. My app is out there, too, if you want to. My iPhone app. Oh, I'm going to have to pick it up. I'll put it on the iPad. Yeah, iPhone app has the podcast, all my dates, got some cool shit. So uh, it's a pretty badass app, so check it out. That's awesome, dude. But, well, listen, man, I, I had a great time talking to you. Like I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan. You know, I've, I've, I've kept up with you from the O&A days. It was, it was great just having you on and shooting the shit, man. And anytime you want to come on, promote some gigs, talk some MMA, dude, you got an open-door invite. I, you know, I hope you had a good time. Yeah, I had a blast. This was great, dude. I love fucking people, you know, that know MMA, too. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people I hang out with don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So, And, I, you know, I don't really know that much about it either, but... You know, I like talking about it. So, yeah, absolutely. Good. I'll definitely come back on. Hey, man, thanks again, brother. Take care of yourself, and good luck in Miami. Keep killing them, man, because you, you're doing a hell of a job out there. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. All right, brother. Take care of yourself. Peace. 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 All right, folks, you just heard Robert Kelly. You can get all the information for his tour dates at www.robertkellylive.com. Dot com. You can also head to iTunes and pick yourself up the Robert Kelly app. Just look for it on iTunes, and you can also listen to his podcast, aptly named You Know What, Dude. You can get that on iTunes as well. His CD, Just the Tip, you can get that at Amazon.com, and you can also get MP3s from iTunes. If you're in Miami, you can check him out at the Miami Improv uh, this weekend until June 5th. If you're in Georgia, you can check him out at Funny Farm in Roswell, Georgia. In July, he's going to be in the Palace Theater in Albany and also performing at the Mayo Performing Arts Center in Jersey for July. And also, he's going to be doing the Wellmont in Montclair. That's going to be July 15th. And July 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, he'll be in Vegas performing at the Playboy Club. Again, definitely give Bobby your support. And if you are on Twitter... Make sure you follow Bobby on there as well. It is uh, Robert Kelly on Twitter. Check him out. You know, no bullshit, not even because he came on the show. Robert Kelly's a funny motherfucker. Yeah, what you heard on the, on this show, you know, minus the audio issues, which I heard back and forth, and I really hope Blog Talk Radio doesn't shit the bed. Um, what you heard here is just a taste of what Robert Kelly delivers all the time when he's on O&A, his work with Dane. Check out some of his stand-up on YouTube. He's done stuff with Louis C.K. He is a funny dude. Like I said, this is this is me talking as a fan, not even talking as like, you know, oh, he was on my show and this, that, and the third, but completely on the level, Robert Kelly's the real deal. So definitely keep an eye out, and um, you can follow him on Twitter, at Robert Kelly, and you can head over to robertkellylive.com as well to get all the other information and to pick up the app hit up iTunes. All right. A couple of things. I don't know what's going on with blog talk radio. It's dropped the show. It's dropped my calls at least 
three times and I'm using the Skype in functionality and I heard a lot of weird popping and hissing. So I'm going to try and clean that up. I really hope that it doesn't come out in post. If it does, I'm going to try and clean it up as best as I can. Um, of course, I, I'm a little upset because of that, because I really wanted the experience to go smooth. And like anything else, you can't plan shit because everything just shits the bed. But if there were any issues with the audio, anybody that's in the chat, just let me know if things sounded a little garbled or a little muffled, just so I know what to look out for. But I am going to jump around a little bit. I did want to talk some wrestling, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to go into it, only because we got about an hour of show left, and I want to try and hit the video games and the movies. So the wrestling is going to take a backseat, as will the rest of the um, MMA news. We're going to try and hit all that stuff next week, depending on how it goes with our guest. But for now, we are going to talk some video games. All right, first off, to open things up, we are going to talk about UFC Undisputed 3, which will be coming out in January for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. A lot of great enhancements done by the team at THQ, including the additions now of Bantamweight and Featherweight divisions. In addition to that, they have added a Pride Fighting Rules gameplay option. They've added new fighter walkout videos plus new camera positions. In addition to that, the Pride mode is going to include commentary by Boss Rutan and Steven Quadros, which is fucking awesome. You're going to be allowed to do soccer kicks, head stomps, and knees to the head of downed opponents. You're going to have the opportunity to use more, over 150 fighters, and it's it's just going to be great. I think that now that the UFC has acquired Strike Force, you know, EMMA, I don't EA MMA, I don't see it gaining any traction. I think that what's going to happen is that the UFC is just going to pump undisputed with as much of that as possible. And I'm sure we will see some Strike Force fighters probably in some downloadable content, but I think that you can look forward to this in January, and the pride rules alone make me want to play this. Nothing like Vanderlei Silva just soccer kicking somebody in the face or a uh, a head stomp from Shogun Hua. Super stoked for it. Uh, like I said, I, I played EA MMA. I have UFC Undisputed. I, I don't play them as much as I should, which makes me a little a little decent on them not as good as i am at some of the other games but they're always fun to play i actually got to play not too long ago against amazing red and needless to say he whooped my ass him and his cousin i played them on xbox live amazing red threw me an ass whooping with george st pierre i got choked out before the bell even finished ringing and that's just because i haven't played shit out in ages but uh the ufc undisputed games are always fun to play something that i that just just bogged me just bogged me down and and tripped me out when I read it, and I really just couldn't wrap my head around it. I had to find a couple of other sources to really find out the 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 information about this game. You're not gonna believe this, but there's gonna be a game by Hulk Hogan called Hulk Hogan's Main Event for the Connect. And basically, the way it's gonna work, the premise of the game is that you're gonna build your superstar and. You're going to take him online, and you're going to be able to do mannerisms and, and promos and stuff like that using the Connect system, and you're going to be able to uh, use it for every move because it's going to be motion-captured. 
and you know, Hulk Hogan's name is behind it. I don't know what licensed characters, if any, uh, Majesco acquired for this game, but it's just really strange because it's a performance-based wrestling game, and you're going to train with Hulk Hogan, and you're going to build your own wrestling personality and learn, quote-unquote, the art of showmanship. So it, the, the concept sounds appealing, but I just, with Hulk Hogan behind it, I just know that it's going to be, uh, you know, a stroke job, you know, just Hulk Hogan just, you know, brother, my game is awesome, brother. It's better than the WWE game, brother. And you can be me and say your prayers and take your vitamins and, you know, have your wife take all your fucking money and have your kid leave some guy as a quadriplegic. You can do all that in this game, brother. Like, the, just that whole thing, it just feels like it's him just, just jerking himself off. It, that's really it. Like, just... Just him, just uh, uh, this is my game, and it has my face on it, brother. And there's no TNA or WWE; it's all Hulk Hogan. I don't really know how people are gonna embrace that. And it's funny because you see people on Twitter that are going to E3, and they're like, "Oh, Hulk Hogan's gonna be at E3, and he's gonna be showing up this game, showing off the game." And I really just want to explain to them: it's like you, you guys think that you're gonna get any time with Hulk Hogan to the point where he's gonna be. He's going to talk to you as a as a person. Hulk Hogan's going to look at you as a dollar sign. Hulk Hogan doesn't give a fuck about anybody. And it, and it sucks for me to say it because I'm a fan of his and I've been a fan of his as a kid since 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 I was a child, but he doesn't give a fuck about you. He's putting out a game about himself where he's training you to be a wrestler. This is a guy who let me tell you something. I think a guy with no arms and no legs has a better moveset than Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was just a great showman that knew how to how to take his persona and make it generate revenue. That was it. You're, you're, you're sitting there, you, get it, you you got to sell a leg drop and a big boot from a 60-year-old guy. You see him on TNA every week. Like I said, it's just a verbal stroke job. He thinks that, you know, he's built, yes, he has built wrestling. But guess what? You didn't build wrestling by yourself. You had guys like Ric Flair, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the late Macho Man Randy Savage, The Undertaker, Kamala, Junkyard Dog, uh, One Man Gang, Big Boss Man. These were all guys that were, uh, you know, key elements in, in in wrestling's heyday. You had the Arn Andersons, the Tully Blanchards. You had um, Mr. Fuji. Uh, I could go on and on and on about guys from the 80s era of wrestling that changed the game. The Ultimate Warrior, how the fuck can I leave him out? Jake the Snake Roberts, the Honky Tonk Man. The list goes on and on. So it really disgusts me sometimes when Hulk Hogan sits here and thinks that it was just him that built wrestling. It's like, let me, you know, cliche, let me tell you something, Hulkster. You, you were just a part of that. A part. You were a nugget of wrestling history yes you were a big part of it but you weren't as big as you think because you still had the, the like i said the rick flair's sting you know you can go down the list of guys that that put wrestling on the map you were not the only one and yeah you know you you helped create the nwo and you were involved in a lot of key wrestling moments and and i respect that and i love that as a, as a kid you know just as the as the kid in me i still love hulk hogan as as the kid inside as my inner child but now as i see what he does to the business and how he conducts himself and how he he treats some of the talent it, and just how he he puts himself before anything it's like i understand 
that life has been, you know, has dealt you a shitty hand, you know, with your wife and the shit with your kid and your daughter's fucking abysmal music career. I get it. But don't don't try to put make yourself bigger than than the business that made you. And that's just my gripe. I mean, the game might be fun and it might be good for a couple of laughs, but I honestly think it's just going to be a, a, a gag that people are just going to clown on. But Hogan is going to be at E3 Tuesday the 7th. And he's going to be there courtesy of Impact Wrestling. So if you want to check the game out and you're at E3, make sure you hit up Hulk Hogan's main event so you can get some more information about it. In some other news, and they'll probably show this off at E3, Sony is going to expand now into stereo headsets. For those of you that own the PlayStation 3, you probably either use your existing Bluetooth headset or the first-party Sony one. You are now going to be able to pick up a PS3 stereo headset it's going to run you about 100 bucks, and you're going to have stereo sound, and it's going to require a USB connector to use, and it's going to run you, like I said, 100 bucks, and you can pick that up in September. I actually have been researching and trying to get into using a headset for gaming for a couple of reasons, just so I can play more games you know, my, while, while my wife is sleeping, and et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's really cool to see Sony coming out with something first party. I hope Microsoft follows suit. Not to say that I don't mind, you know, the companies like Turtle Beach and Astro and all these companies putting headsets out, but to to pay a hundred and something dollars for a pair of headphones, I mean, a hundred bucks is is passable at best. So, you know, I paid fifty for. Well, my my wife got me the one I have now. She paid fifty bucks for it. So a hundred for a stereo headset is all good. Um, and you can pick that up just in time for the holidays in September. Got to talk a little bit about Infamous Two. Of course, that's coming out next week. Slick is super excited, amped, ready to rock and roll, and they've announced that you'll be able to import your trophies from the first game, which I mentioned on the fan page. Certain trophies are going to give you rewards as well. You're going to get, like, bonus XP. There's also going to be slight alterations to the story based on what trophies you have. Um, if you have the trophy with the with the finishing the game on any difficulty, you'll start with 1,000 starting XP. If you've obtained a good or evil trophy, you'll start level 1 with good or bad karma. If you've found 25% of the blast shards, you'll start out with an energy core, which of course increases your health bar. If you've found 50% of the blast shards, you'll get two energy cores. And also certain decisions are going to alter the side missions in the new game and the dialogue. So I know that Slick is going to be super hyped for that because... Slick managed, I believe, to get all the trophies in, in the first Infamous, so he's going to get all this great shit to start the game, and I'm really looking forward to seeing his review on it because he's going to be able to chronicle that complete experience with the add-ons firsthand. It's going to be badass for sure. So Infamous 2 drops next week. Do yourselves a favor, play the first one, get them trophies so that you can enjoy the second one that much more. Gotta call Sony out on some bullshit, though. They got a little bit of double dipping going on with Resistance. They're going to be re releasing the Resistance Dual Pack on July 5th. You're going to be able to get both games, but you're also going to get a whole $10 worth of bonus content for the third game. The content includes the Aftermath map, a skin bundle for multiplayer, and the Wraith skin multiplayer weapons for Resistance 2. That bundle is going to cost you $39.99, and it'll be available july 5th gotta talk of course and and i really wasn't going to reference it because it was everywhere but i got to the call of duty situation the wall street journal kind of broke the embargo regarding call of duty elite 
which will be released with uh, Modern Warfare 3. Um, it's going to be a pay a paid add-on, which is going to have you know some free portions, but it is going to be paid. That's what everybody's looking at. You're going to be it's almost like a, a a Facebook or a social network for Call of Duty players. You'll be able to have stats for player performances. You're also going to have um, certain weapon stats and things like that. It's just going to be a social network dedicated only to Call of Duty. And I really don't think people are going to embrace this as much as you think, only because you're paying for Xbox Live, now you're going to pay for this new component, and you're also going to pay for maps, and etc. It's just going to increase the already $60 investment into the hundreds, because you're going to be paying for this social networking service, which, honestly, I, I hope it succeeds, but... It also has so many things against it to make it fail because it's almost like you're competing against Xbox Live. You have your gamer scores already for Xbox Live. You have your achievements. You have your ability to talk to friends and network with friends already. So I really don't see the logistics in putting this out. But once I get a, a better understanding of it and I signed up for the beta, I'll be able to give you guys a, 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 full, a full analysis on it. I really just don't think that these social network add-ons that some of these games put out are, are, are needed when you have something like Xbox Live that does all that for you. In some Nintendo news, the DS Lite is going to be dropped to 100 bucks this weekend, June 5th. It's a $30 price drop right before the E3 press conferences drop. Nintendo also took the opportunity to announce that six Mario games, which are Super Mario Brothers, well, New Super Mario Brothers, Mario Kart DS, Mario 64 DS, Mario Party, Mario and Luigi's Bowser's Inside Story, and Mario and Donkey Kong will be getting new red packaging due to their sales success. But with the new red packaging, you'd think, oh, maybe a price drop. Not so much. Not happening. Last bit of uh, Call of Duty news, which I should have actually put with the uh, social networking aspect of the of the news was that Kotaku and Joystick have reported that they will be removing the tactical nuke functionality, which was made popular in the last game. But they'll be adding new kill streaks, including a remote-controlled helicopter, a remote turret, an EMP grenade, and a couple of other options. In addition to that, they're going to be releasing something called Team Perks, which the entire team is going to be, have to get as, as a unit. And they're saying that that's probably going to tie into the Call of, Call of Duty Elite uh, social networking program. Some of the perks that they're saying are things like stopping power, which will allow for increased damage, stun protection, which will have you uh, have resistance to flash grenades, and also health regeneration and a blast shield. In addition to that, they're saying that you're going to be you're going to have certain things that are going to be eligible with certain types of kill streaks including immunity to UAVs and also thermal and heartbeat sensors. Should be interesting to see when it pans out. I really don't play Call of Duty much. I really should just because everybody loves it, but the these new enhancements I'm excited about. I really could care less about the social networking aspect, but a lot of people that have seen the trailer have said to me that it's more of the same with Call of Duty wash rinse and repeat. I think that there are aspects of that that are that are slightly true. I think that there will be improvements, but are there going to be improvements that are going to make people want to part with $60? Well, 
plus the monthly fee for Call of Duty Elite. That, my friends, is what we'll have to see in November. I got some Darksiders news earlier this week. I put it on MyTakeRadio.com. They started uh, Game Informer, actually got exclusive access to the story in their July issue. And you will now be playing as the character of Death as opposed to War from the first one. In addition to that, you're going to get new non-playable characters, a detailed loot system, and new dungeons. Death will be traveling through the world of the Abyss during the game. And in addition, of course, he's going to have his noble steed with him. You'll be able to use all the attacks that Death is known for, including a scythe, which I've already seen in some pictures. And Game Informer also had an exclusive trailer, which frustrates me to no end because I can't put it on MyTakeRadio.com for you guys to look at it. But if you want to check it out, head over to GameInformer.com and you can get a check of the, you can check out the trailer there. In another what-the-fuck gaming story, besides the Hulk Hogan game, and I know Slick is going to love this, they're releasing a game for the DS, which is going to allow you to use the DS as a controller for a robotic dog. The game, called Wappy Dog, yes, W-A-P-P-Y, Dog, is a toy puppy that comes with a, you know, with a DS game, and you'll be able to control the puppy with the DS. This is coming out for the holidays. You'll be able to issue commands through the DS that'll make the dog wag its tail, bark, sing, and dance, amongst other commands. Players will be able to have options of either home mode, which will let them control the dog directly, or travel mode, which lets them play with a virtual dog that transfers progress when you get back home. In addition to that, you'll be able to play mini games to unlock more tricks and games to play with Wappy Dog. Now, here's the funny thing. You have the 3DS out with no fucking games. None. Zip. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Bubkiss. And you decide to invest your energies into a dog that will probably only be applicable to young children probably up to the age of eight or nine. But your 3DS has... Three or four titles out. But no, you invest your creative energies into Wappy Dog. These are the times that I really want to find Reggie and kick him right in the nuts. Wappy Dog. It, it, it's, it, this is why nobody takes Nintendo seriously. Because it's like, yeah, you know, Nintendo has Mario and Link and all this shit. But throw in Wappy Dog, Chicken Shoot, Baby Mama... Cooking Mama, Crack Whore Mama. Come on, man. This is why nobody gives a fuck about Nintendo. Nobody. Your 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 number one franchises are, you know, Mario, Pokemon, Link, shit like that, certain RPGs, but we never fucking see them. Ever. You want to know why? Because you motherfuckers are too busy worrying about Wappy Dog. That's what we're worried about, Wappy Dog, instead of, why doesn't the DS have any more exciting games oh yeah because we're worried about wappy dog i i don't understand fucking nintendo i really don't i think that it's just embarrassing to read that and i feel bad because you know i try to give nintendo the credit that it's due but th these motherfuckers don't do that they don't they just drop the ball you drop the ds to a hundred bucks and then you put all these games in, in red packaging but you don't drop the price why it's it's like drop the shits down to 19.99. You motherfuckers have made enough money, and I guarantee you at E3 you're gonna announce some new shit 
maybe a bigger 3DS, and you're just going to be continuing, like I always say, just finger-fucking all the gamers with your bullshit. Put out some first-party games, put out some great titles for your 3DS, and stop worrying about this stupid, wappy dog bullshit. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And I knew Slick was going to want to get in on this, so let me bring him in real quick. Slick, what do you got for, for wappy dog? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> wappy dog. Dude, how, how embarrassing <laughs> is that? How embarrassing is it that you own a 3DS, you, you know, an MTR staffer that reviews games and doesn't have a fucking single game to review for the 3DS because there are none. The shit's been out three months. And there's jack shit for it. Nothing. But, you know, let's worry about fucking jerk-off dog. Well, you see, uh, I have some insider news. I got my 3DS, you know, I, I got Street Fighter, but I knew that, you know, Nintendo would be going to drop the ball to E3. They're going to announce Crack Baby Basketball. Oh, my God. I wish, I wish, I wish we had crack baby basketball because you know what? At least it shows that they're thinking outside of the box. You know, let's do Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 3DS because you haven't played the shit 17,000 fucking times that you may have forgotten about it. Give me a fucking break, man. It's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that I ha- I I got rid of my uh, I got rid of the Wii because it was collecting dust because these shit dicks put out nothing. Nothing. How much Wii Fit was I really going to play? How much? The last game I bought, well, I got as a birthday gift, was Tatsunoko vs. Capcom. Not even a first-party title. And these assholes, these fucks, want people to pay $250 for a 3D fucking paperweight. It's embarrassing. Fuck them. Fuck Reggie and his fucking ass. Fuck Mario with a fucking plunger. Fuck Link 2 and his stupid-ass Triforce. Give us some fucking games. Give us some games. You have a $250 fucking paperweight, and you know this. And yeah, you know, you play the games you own, like Pokemon and all that shit, and that's great. But they're games you already own. It's shit you've already played. Well, hopefully by next show, you know, you'll have a reason to feel like, you know, you got to take back some of this shit. I hope so, man, because I tell you, it, it pains me to, my, one of my first consoles after, you know, after an Atari 2600 was an original Nintendo with Super Mario and Duck Hunt. I remember playing mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers till 4.30 in the morning on a Christmas morning. Christmas Eve into Christmas morning. My mother was watching me play Mario. She thought it was the most revolutionary shit this side of an A-track. You know, we move forward to Mario 2, we move forward to Mario 3, Clash of Demon Head, Kid Icarus, RC Pro-Am, Metroid, all the Zelda games, River City Ransom. You see a fucking pattern here, how many titles I'm naming? When the fuck has Nintendo had that kind of a lineup? We haven't seen a lineup like that, a murderer's row of games, since the N64 heyday. Because even the GameCube would drop the ball on occasion. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm hoping, you know, I'm, I'm hoping Nintendo brings it back. I mean, it's not even because I'm a fan of Nintendo. It's just that when Nintendo is on, 
they're on fire, and it's like nobody can stop them. But it's been so damn long. Who knows if they can even do that again? Well, here, here's a here's a valid here's a valid question. When was the last time you turned on your Wii console? Oof. Um, that would probably be 2010. There you go. When you know how how sad is it that you own a Wii console? And you haven't turned it on in a year, yet you walk into Best Buy and there's just shelves and shelves of utter dog shit. Dog shit. Chicken shoot, fucking uh, Iron Chef America, fucking word games, pet the cat, burp the baby. Like, these are games. Like, hi, buy burp the baby for nineteen ninety nine. Meanwhile, one Mario game, one Pokemon game, one Zelda game. And most of them are remakes of shit we've already played. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that this company continues to bend gamers over and fuck them in the ass. It's just, I really should find a way to just get a screen cap of, a, a, of somebody getting bent over and just pile-drived in the ass. But just make sure to put Mario's head on, their, on the body. Because that's what's happening. That's what Nintendo is doing. And it pains me to say it because they, they were a part of my childhood. What do you call it? I just, I, I really want to know who at Nintendo, like, greenlights all this shuffle with. You know what? Hold, you know what's like, this Skype shit is giving me trouble, so hold the line one second. I'm going to just dial back in. All right. All right, that's a lot better. I, I had the same problem with Bobby Kelly when, when he was on that. It just sounded like you guys were underwater, and I think it was because I was using click to Skype because it kept dropping the fucking calls. Yeah, like, at one point when you were talking to him, it sounded like you were a fucking robot that somebody squirted water in your ear. So it was like, you just started repeating yourself. I was like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, you know, I gotta, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that shit isn't in post. And if it is, then unfortunately we're, we're going to have to deal with it, but it fucking sucks. But, you know, th this shit, this shit with Nintendo, dude, it embarrasses me. And I hope, dude, I hope that E3 comes and they go, yeah, we got, you know, a brand new Mario. Not just some rehashed, recycled Mario, but brand new Mario that motherfuckers can get excited about. It, I, you know, I feel bad, dude. I don't own a 3DS, but you do. You invested money in it. And it's just sitting there. Sitting there. True that. I mean, I, <clears throat> I ain't even gonna lie about that. I'm hoping, like, I, I get more use out of it than I did the Wii because the, um... I mean, I'll get you to have it, but I mean, for the titles that actually make for the system, not, you know, Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. But while while I have you on, I actually want to run through, you, you know, you can help me close out the, the, the gaming and the movie stuff. I'm just going to run through a couple of things. Um, Madden. We got to talk about that Madden. And it's because of okay. this shit. Marshall Falk was one of the first cover athletes of Madden that got inducted into the Hall of Fame. All right, that's great. Everybody's clapping. We're all happy. EA just can't not find a way to fuck people. They're going to release a Hall of Fame edition of Madden 2012. It gets better. The Hall of Fame edition includes an embossed bronze cover with Marshall Falk on the front, an autographed Panini trading card, and a Madden Ultimate Team Platinum Pack which are in-game collectible cards for Madden NFL 12's 
supplementary mode. The Hall of Fame edition, get this, is going to run you $89. Oh, shit. How, uh, dude, how fucking terrible is the fact that it's like, yeah, he went into the Hall of Fame. Let's find a way to fuck gamers over. Because you know that people that are going to want to be, you know, completists and special edition collectors are going to drop $90 on shit. On shit, on a bronze box, where you don't even know if the guy is black or white on the cover. I could just as easily buy the shit, and they go, hey, who's on the cover of Madden? I'll be like, slick. <laughs> <laughs> who's going to know? Who's going to? It's a bronze cover. You're charging me $90 for a bronze cover that over the years is going to turn to shit? It's not like you like we're going to keep our games. You know that as soon as Madden, you know, you buy Madden in August, you're selling that shit by April. If not sooner. The thing that kills me is, you know, from the people I've seen in GameStop or, you know, any store, you know, the kind of guy who buys Madden every year is not a completist. Nope, not in the least. Like, the kind of guy who buys Madden is not like me sitting down to freaking get a platinum trophy in Infamous or Arkham Asylum. Exactly. They just want to fucking get to the Super Bowl if they even play, you know, the career mode. But they just want to get online and be able to say, I, I beat somebody's ass. There you go. Which is, which is some sad shit. It's really... Uh, but the worst part is that they just were like, hey, Marshall Falk is going into the Hall of Fame. He was on Madden. How can we spin this? How about How about this? How about you put a special edition of Madden called Lockout Mode where we don't see the game on the fucking shelves because it's the same shit every year? How about that? Madden 2012 Lockout Edition. And it just has Ocho Cinco giving you the finger on the box. Well, Ocho Cinco fucking dancing with the stars. Exactly. Like, like, come on, man. Come on, guys. Come on. But... You know, we could beat this shit up, but I just wanted to share the, this fuckery with you. In some, in some pre-E3 news, because, you know, you don't just get E3 news, you get pre-E3 news. Konami actually did some announcements this evening, and the first is that they're releasing Silent Hill 2 and 3 in an HD collection. Which is, which is you know... on the PlayStation 1 or 2. I believe it was PlayStation 2, and then they also announced a, another entry into the series go, coming out for the NGP. But... How the hell is, like... Good, good. No, the other, the other part of that story was Konami also announced Metal Gear Solid and Zone of Enders will also be getting HD compilation re-releases. Uh, the Metal Gear pack, which comes out in November, you're going to include... Get this, Metal Gear Solid 2... Metal Gear Solid 3, and Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. But no Metal Gear Solid 1. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, yeah, the only I would, I would, you know, probably pick up because that game was fucking crazy. Yep. And it's, it's really an under-the-radar game that, you know, has a, a big following. And um, 
just to see it out again because, you know, when motherfuckers actually wanted to play it, it was hard to find. Yeah, so Zone of Enders uh, is getting an, the HD treatment and so's Metal Gear. Um, you know, you're going to get HD graphics, new art, remastered audio, and, of course, achievements. But the funny thing about it is that these compilations will also be on the 360. Not surprising at all. I mean, after, you know, after they brought Metal Gear Solid to the, to the 360 and everything, it's like Konami is, is basically just trying to pad their pockets. They, they, you're damn right about that. And not for nothing, it's like, you know that, that 360 is going to, if they add, you know, the, the Peace Walker multiplayer elements to it, you know that 360 is going to gobble that shit up. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. I mean, Microsoft got to make their dough, too. Oh, absolutely. And the last bit of news, since you're a fan of, you know, collector's editions, they're releasing an Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception limited edition that's coming with Drake's belt buckle. You're also you're also getting uh, a full-size replica of Drake's necklace, which includes Sir Francis Drake's ring, and an exclusive statue of Drake made by Sideshow. All of this stuff is going to come uh, packed in a traveling chest replica, which, of course, is going to come with the video game, which which will be in a steelbook case. How much is that bullshit running? They don't have a price here, but it's just the fact that you're going to buy a game for a belt buckle and a fake necklace. <laughs> yeah, the fucking what... marketing guy that thought that up. I want to take that belt buckle and shovel up his fucking head. Shovel. Well, you know what? Well, you know what the worst part is. If you would have just said, "Hey, you get the Drake statue from Sideshow," I think that would have been fine. And you know, the traveling box replica. But it's like, yeah, we're giving you a belt buckle. Who is gonna wear that? Who? Sideshow collectibles is like. They're hit or miss. Some of this shit is really nice, and some of this stuff is just trash. Yeah, if they, those said, are... if they said it was going to be a Drake statue by, like, Kotobuki, I would have been like, oh, shit. Because yeah, even, even that little shit that's, like, $25, those statues are on point. Oh, yeah, but you know what the funny shit is, too? It's like the other part of the equation that you know is going to be the selling point is Sir Francis Drake's ring on on a, on Drake's necklace. And it's like, didn't he wear that ring on, like, a fucking leather string? Like, are you kidding me? Like, is that what it's come down to? Like, oh, my God, get out of here with that shit. Just give me the uh, fucking game. Sony is far from the innocent of trying to fucking build the public for an extra buck. No, sir. But that's, um, I figure I'd get your take on that, and there's only a couple of movie news, so I'm just going to throw that, that movie bumper in there, and we can go through some of this movie stuff as well. All right. Let's talk some movies. First up, Warner Brothers has hired writers for Yogi Bear 2. Oh, yeah. Well, 
Here's the best part. The first Yogi Bear movie made $201 million on an $80 million budget. You're damn right they're going to do a second one. You know this. Who the fuck went to see that movie? <laughs> I don't know, dude, but there were $201 million that, that guaranteed the movie was a success. How how sad is that? Oh, fucking Justin Timberlake got to get his check, too. I'm telling you. And um, we got some Lord of the Rings news this week. Um, Peter Jackson confirmed via Facebook that Orlando Bloom will be back as Legolas. Um, you knew that was going to happen. Because let's be honest, what the fuck is Orlando Bloom doing other than looking pretty and fucking models? Nothing. <laughs> let's let's be real here. Yeah, because they got rid of his ass in the Pirate series. Yep. Well, that's the funny thing. I don't understand why some of these actors, and we've talked about this before, like like Orlando Bloom. Like, dude, what else are you going to do if you're not doing Pirate? What are you I don't want to be typecast. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to be typecast. Nigga, you're a pirate and an elf. It's like, it's like I don't want to be pigeonholed. What are you going to do? You have the body of a twink. What are you doing? What? You're not an action dude. You're too pretty for that. And, and, and you know, what are you going to do, romantic comedies and dramas? No one gives a fuck. People want to see you with long hair and pointy ears shooting arrows, or they want to see you with a cutlass and a frilly shirt. The only other role Orlando Bloom can play is Link in a Zelda movie. That's it. Shit. When these actors say that shit, I don't want to be talking. I want to fucking just, like, be there at that moment and just look, hey, hey, can I get typecast? Can I get three fucking checks? Dude, let me tell you something. If when you get into Hollywood, you get to that certain point where you're like, yeah, I don't want to be typecast. But until you do start getting typecast, till you start making that real paper, typecast me away. I want to play the Mexican rapist. I want to play the Puerto <laughs> Rican gangbanger. I want to play the guy outside of Home Depot. I want to play the guy that fucking cuts your lawn. I want to play the dude selling oranges by the motherfucking highway. I want to be playing the fucking bodega owner. Give me a check. Fuck you, pay me. Pay exactly. my crap ass. Because typecast is a fucking guaranteed check. Thank you. I don't give a shit. Oh, you want me to play a rapist on Law & Order for six episodes? Great. My bank account thanks you. But sometimes they just get way too ahead of themselves. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Toby Maguire, you know, I want to do other projects because I just feel that playing Spider-Man so much, what are you doing? Movies with horses. That's what you're doing. Oh, you know, or, or, or this other chick, fucking Bucktooth. Um, what the hell? Mary Jane. Kristen Dunn. Yeah. She, what are you doing? What are you doing? You are the most unattractive Mary Jane ever. Ever. I would, I would rather have a, a, a puppet from Team America play Mary Jane opposite Tobey Maguire than look at you. You know what? It was a paycheck, and you did a passable job. It's like, he, he doesn't want to play Spider-Man. Yeah, I don't want to play the most fucking beloved comic book character of all time. Nope. What? That's okay. Nah, we don't, we, we don't want to do that. But in, in segueing into Spider-Man, we got this bit of news, too. Um, in, in the Avengers, 
we know that Loki probably is being considered as the villain. There's rumors that Loki's going to use the Cosmic Cube, and we're going to see some scrolls, which is kind of cool, and he may even fuck with the Hulk a little bit, and the Hulk will be a villain. But here's some real crazy shit. Uh, Latino Review put out a rumor saying that the Avengers were going to fight Thanos. I'd seen that. And, you know, if, if you've seen Thor, and, you know, if it's a spoiler, I'm sorry, you know, fast forward if, if you haven't heard it. In, in Thor, you see the Infinity Gauntlet in one scene. Right. Right. So, so it makes me wonder, like, like shit. If it's one thing we've learned with Marvel films, and you know this as well as I do, shit gets put in these movies for a reason. Yeah, I mean, teasing what they get their um, next paycheck from. That's what I'm saying. Like the gauntlet, the gauntlet's involvement. Is, is huge. I just think that Thanos, the problem that a lot of people are saying, and, and that's what's not giving this rumor a lot of legs, is the fact that you're doing, if you do a movie with Loki, Thanos, the Skrulls, and possibly the Hulk flipping at one point, it's going to be too much to too do much, in two hours. Too much. It's going to fall through the cracks. I honestly think I would do Loki and the Skrulls, or I would do Loki to get the ball rolling. He fucks with the Cosmic Cube. It releases Thanos and Thanos brings the scrolls with him. What I don't get is why they always try to shove so much shit into movies, especially a company like Marvel who loves to fucking rape your pockets. Do one story, do another story in another movie, and do another story in another movie. That's right. But unfortunately... Spider-Man 3, they could have got Spider-Man 4, 5, and 6 out of that one movie. That's right. I said it. I said it before, you know, and I spoke about it when I spoke to Michael Manna. You could have just as easily done Spider-Man three with Sandman and the Vulture, and you would have been and you would have been perfect. You could have done five. You could have done five, you know four with New Goblin by himself, or even Venom by himself, and and that would have been it. Like there's no there was no necessity to cram all that in there. But you know we've discussed the reasoning for that. I think that with the Avengers. There's going to be some misinformation, but if I had it, if I had to choose after seeing Thor, I would just go with Loki and possibly the Skrulls or Loki and the Hulk because I think that you're going to lose. Besides the fact that you have so many actors, and you know Robert Downey Jr. is just going to eat those guys alive from an acting standpoint, they're going to also be overshadowed by all these larger than life villains. It's gonna it's gonna suck, dude. Well, I have a bad feeling that the Avengers movie will suck anyways. The individual characters, their films will probably be decent, especially after seeing what they've done with Thor. Because if you can make me like Thor, you can make me like anybody. Exactly. I felt the same way. The last Captain America movie, which was really an under-the-radar film, Marvel wasn't really sweating it the way they are sweating this new one, the last one was was good. I mean, if they follow that format, I don't see how they can go wrong. But, you know, again, if you make me like Thor, you, you can definitely make me like Captain America again. And the Hulk movie was good. The Iron Man movie was, was decent. I mean, I, thought, I, I, tell I you we'll see any other characters with individual movies before the Avengers, but... I, you know, uh, I, I, 
No, what I was going to say is, in, in talking about this, this Thanos issue, I, I was going to ask, and this is why I wanted you involved for this, if, if, you, if for argument's sake it was Thanos as the bad guy and Thanos was done, C, you know, probably CGI with a little bit, probably bit of costume work, who would you want to play Thanos? I mean, it has to be somebody with a distinctive voice. If you're not really worrying about putting that person on screen because you're going to do a CG, get somebody with a good voice. Um, I mean, I would say probably a a black dude with a good voice like Michael Clark Duncan. That could be good. There you go. Uh, That that was my first choice. I said Michael Clark Duncan would be an awesome Thanos. Because even if, like I said, even if you're not putting him on screen, he's got the vo- the pipes for it. He's got the pipes, and he's got a powerful sound to his voice. Like, you know, it, Michael Clark Duncan saying, I have the gauntlet, I control the universe, and kneel before your master would be sickening, dude. People would go ape shit. But again, it's one of those things where it might be too much too soon. You throw Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet in there. You know, Marvel purists will, will, will cream in their shorts. But to the layman, to the casual comic fan, they're going to be like, what's up with the glove, dude? You know? The shit that really kills me with Marvel is all the fun was with everybody. Just all the rehashing and stuff. It's like, it's good that they're finally doing somebody other than Spider-Man, even though they're doing Spider-Man again. But one thing, like, just jumping off Avengers for a quick second with Spider-Man. It's like, I'm, I'm finishing Shattered Dimensions right now on the PS3. It's like, you want to keep doing Spider-Man movies, but you keep doing Spider-Man. Marvel has like four or five other Spider-Man that they could do. If you want to keep doing Spider-Man movies, how about you do one of the other Spider-Men? You know what it is? I think it would be, uh, again, from a comic book purist standpoint, I'd be super excited for a project like that, especially if it's done right. But when you do that from a merchandising standpoint, you might alienate certain, you know, certain key demographics that will put money in your pocket from a merchandising perspective. Because, you know, if you do Spider-Man 2099, while, you know, most of us will appreciate that, kids are just going to be like, what the fuck is that? And that's the problem. Like, Marvel, Marvel needs to figure out, are we doing this for swag or are we doing this for money? Because if we're doing this for merchandise and swag, then, you know, great. But if we're doing this to really tell the story, then fine. Like, see, Thor fell into that gray area. Because, yeah, you can go to Target and buy a hammer or some toys. But how many real commercials do you see for Thor toys? None, because you have about five figures. Exactly, but that's why, because Thor was done as as a story, as something epic. Same thing, and, and, and we may see it differently when Captain America comes out, but even Captain America, you don't hear that huge, hey, buy the Captain America shield and play set now, versus something like Spider-Man. When Spider-Man dropped, it's like, buy the Spider-Man movie toys, buy the Spider-Man cartoon toys, buy your Spider-Man Spider-Mobile, Spider-Man web shooters. How many times did you see a commercial for Spider-Man web shooters based on the movie? 
Too many damn times. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying because Marvel has to figure out, are we making money or are we making stories? If we're making stories, then, you know, movies like Thor and Captain America and stuff will be successful. If you're doing movies just for the for profit, you know, it's like what everybody says with George Lucas when he does more Star Wars films. Same rules apply. If you do Spider-Man 2099, you have to be ready to it possibly not make a ton of money. And they don't want to accept that. They want to make sure that Spider-Man makes money. And so, you know, as much as I'd love it, yeah, I'd love to see, you know, a Spider-Man 2099 storyline. It'd be awesome. But they'd rather go with something like Ultimate Spider-Man, which still keeps all the core elements and you can make money with. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I just the reason why I say that though is just because, especially with comic movies, these writers and directors always want to do their own vision. So do a story that exists, but maybe it is not so well known, because then you can get away with some bullshit like that. Yeah, this is true, and you know that that's something that'll that we're going to have to really watch Marvel closely. You know, X-Men First Class is, is a great example. Is X-Men First Class is not striving to sell merchandise. We know this. You can tell. But if you're not doing it for the merchandise and you're doing it for the story, I expect a fucking kick-ass story, which based on what a couple of people have told me is what we're getting. But again, Marvel jumps back and forth with that shit. One minute, it's all for, 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 for the merch. And another minute, it's, yeah, we want to put out great stories. It's like, figure it the fuck out. Like, DC, when you look at the Batman movies, yeah, they put toys out. But they're doing it for the story, for the integrity of the character. And that's what I like. It's like, the movie I can think of that, to illustrate my point, is Priest. Because, you know, Priest, it's completely fallen under the radar. But it was a good movie but it almost has nothing to do with the original comic. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they, they knew that, they, that the, use of the, the use of the comic was just vague. You know what I'm saying? The use of the comic was just, hey, it's based on a comic. And then they just ran with it because you can do that with obscure stories. That's something we've talked about, you know? So Batman's another example. As good as the freaking... Uh, Nolan movies are it's like we've had this is like in the in the last what 20 or so years this is about the what 7th Batman movie that's coming out yeah but that's because and, that's a character not to cut you off that's a character that they've tweaked the formula because DC said alright we can't sell toys with this shit like we have to do this Batman the way adults want to see Batman. Yeah, we'll sell toys, but we'll sell toys based off Batman Brave and the Bold. You know what I'm saying? And shit like that, because that's where they'll make their money. So what they'll do is, and you've seen this, they'll put out the movie, like the, like the Dark Knight, but then they'll release a kid-friendly like Batman cartoon. Because they figured out the formula. Marvel is still kind of figuring that shit out. Like right now, they got the animated Avengers cartoon, and that's laying the foundation for the kids. And the kids will be able to buy those toys. That way when the Avengers comes out, the adults will enjoy it, and the kids will be prepped. I mean, what I'm saying is like, let's get a fucking Batman Beyond movie. 
Well, again, they'd want to tell they they gotta they gotta accept the fact that it's gonna be a story and that it may not make three hundred million dollars. It might, but people but again, people may not be ready for that. So Holly, you know, when you're looking at margins, people might shudder at that. If you go, hey, let's go in a completely different direction and do this, they're gonna be like, what do you mean, the Joker's? What do you mean an old Bruce Wayne? What do you mean, you know, a a, a dude made out of toxic waste? That's your Bane bad guy? That's not going to work. Nobody knows that. People want to see the Joker, the Catwoman, Penguin, the Riddler, Bane, for, for argument's sake. You know, characters like that. So that's where the apprehension in my eyes comes from. The apprehension isn't so much them wanting to do the projects. It's just a matter that they can't accept the fact that, hey, this may not make money. I got a, I got something for that. Why a Batman Beyond movie could work, and who your bad guy would be, because it, it'll tie directly into the, um, you know, the current Batman movies. In the Batman Beyond universe, yeah, Bruce Wayne is old as shit. He's given up the the costume, giving it to you know who he doesn't even know at the time of his son Terry McGinnis. Make the main bad guy Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze exists in the Batman Beyond universe. That's he's right. still alive. And he's still fucking people up. That's right. And you can get a good movie off of that, because just the, the concept of Batman Beyond is more adult, just because it's... I'm not, not in terms of the comics, but in terms of the cartoons, it's a little more violent. And you still have a shitload of characters that you can merchandise like, you know, Star Wars toys and shit. Uh, why yeah. Why nobody in Hollywood, Hollywood is thinking this, I don't know. Maybe what? I need to fucking pitch that shit. Hey, man, you might you might just have to. You might have to leave MTR and branch out. But in, in, in keeping with the DC Comics theme, and I'm looking, I, I think we got like seven minutes left, and some stuff is going to fall off the plate. I did want to bring up that DC has announced that they're going to relaunch all 52 titles from their catalog, starting with issue number one on August 31st. In addition to that, they're going to be releasing every issue in hard copy and digital on the exact same date. So that means that on the date that the hard copy comes out, you'll also get access to the digital copy. And they're going to start the ball rolling with Justice League number one, and it's going to be re- written by Jeff Johns and drawn by Jim Lee. No, it will definitely sell, but is it a good idea to relaunch your whole brand? Yep. Oh. Starting one. And they're going to and they're going to change some origins. And Jim Lee's already started changing some costumes. I got to put a picture up on the fan page. But it, the the ball. The initial ball has started rolling. I don't know. A lot of people are saying that this is going to hurt comic shops because imagine that being able to buy the book or the digital copy on the exact same date of release. Well, since when, at this point in the game, since when does DC or Marvel give a fuck about the comic shops? The, 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 but that, that's been a, t- a subject of discussion. I've seen that uh, a lot of the comic, uh, a lot of the comic creators I follow have been saying, like, you know, this this may hurt the little guy. So I figured I'd run that by you because, you know, we, we, we do frequent comic shops on occasion. And, you know, there, there's a nostalgia and a, and, a, and, a, 
and a level of enjoyment of just visiting, a, you know, a mom-and-pop comic store, you know, that familiarity where they know you and they know the books you like versus just, you know, digitally downloading it and keeping it moving. Then more comic shops are going to have to do, you know, what, you know, places like Midtown Comics are doing and to have, you know, more collectibles because the bottom line is when we go to those mom-and-pop shops, we don't look at comics. We look at the fucking collectibles. That is true. Got to give you credit there. You're right. I do. I mean, most of my I have I have now one two I have seven coffin boxes full of comics, and the majority of the books I've read in the last six months have been on the iPad. For that reason, you know, there, there's a there's a there's a cool purpose in downloading you know a 25 issue story arc and paying 12 bucks for it versus spending, you know, 50 to buy each individual book at $3 a pop or whatever. Yeah, I mean, comics are up to, like, $4 an issue. Yep. If I could get a, a subscription to X-Men for, let's say, I don't know, 30 to $50 a year, I would change something like that because I used to buy just about every X book there was. Well, and it's like I was dropping... 30 to 60 bucks a week on comics at least. And this is when I had a shit job. There you go. Well, I had wanted, I had wanted to run that by you because it's, it's a big story. And, you know, I'm going to see if maybe I'll put something together for, for the site on it. Because, dude, it's huge. It's like you're basically rewriting your entire history from scratch. You know, they were saying that one of the reasons is because they got tired of, and I know we got like three minutes left, they got tired of books being you know, in issue number 627. You know, like, they got tired of that shit. Which, you know, it's fine, but I don't know how fans are going to embrace that, especially if you change uh, certain things. Well, if they, well, I'm not going to say if they do, because they're obviously doing it. They did never have any more of this, this continuity shit where you need an infinity on crisis and on infinity years and all this shit. Stop doing that shit. Well, I'm making, gonna... like, five... Five different Superman. Well, we'll find out. But um, that's gonna wrap it up, dude. I um, I know we got some other shit, but we'll wrap it up next week. All right, man. All right, brother. Later, dude. Peace. All right, that's gonna close things out. Just because we're running out of live time, you've just heard my take radio episode ninety four for Thursday, June second, two thousand and eleven. If you'd like to be a guest on My Take Radio, email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, and you can follow My Take Radio on Twitter at My Take Radio. Make sure to check out our apps on Android and iTunes, and also become a fan on Facebook. Catch you guys next week. Peace. Taking us out this week will be Born of Ashes for Kratos. The artist is Brian Strader, and the album is Heroes and Villains for OC Remix. Peace.